0: Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 What's
1: going on, everybody? Hope you're having a fantastic Memorial Day alongside Jason Martin. Talking some ball today. We got some football on the docket, Jason. A lot of hoops, though. How's your Memorial Day treating you? You got big plans today? I don't know yet. Honestly, it's a
2: little bit too early for me to answer that question for you, Brian, quite frankly. I'm hoping I got some plans today. We'll find out in a couple of hours. Knock
1: out the show and then see what what goes from that point on. Yeah,
2: that's, that's me. I'm
1: freewheeling. Maybe a little barbecuing? possibly it's a possibility some food can be involved yeah. at some yeah. point today now
2: that i live here and i'm not commuting for 70 miles i don't have to immediately think sleep oh you're in nashville now
1: i am indeed oh beautiful so how long's the commute now it's only about 12 miles oh dude you have got no to idea my you <laughs> <laughs> have no idea coming
2: from 75 <laughs>
1: each way to 12 is just oh my goodness that's not by the way do you have preds fever are you gonna watch some some puck tonight all right so here's the deal I got a problem, Brian. Yeah.
2: I've mentioned this a couple of times. I grew up my entire life a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Okay. My entire life. Yeah. So what does it mean when on Thursday I was pulling for Ottawa to win so I'd have a chance to pull for Nashville? (laughs) I think it means I'm swept up in this whole fever thing. I've covered this team for about four years here in town. Yeah, you're converted. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, I don't think I'm going to know until the puck drops tonight what's actually happening for me. I'm just hoping for a really good series.
1: Well, so this is the theme of the day. You don't know how the Memorial Day plans are going to go. You could be barbecuing. You could be at the pool. Who knows? And the same thing when the puck drops tonight, you don't even know who you're cheering for. I got no idea. That's like, crazy. It's a like real it. problem
0: for like me it, right man. now.
1: I like it better that way. You never know. I I'm kind of that way too. Maybe not to that extent of not knowing who I'm going to cheer for, but in terms of a lack of a plan, oftentimes that's the way I roll. Yeah. Well, just go with the flow, yeah. man. Um, so let, let's start off with let's start off with the NBA Finals. How how caught up are you i know it comes around I thursday basketball. i know you're huge in the nba <laughs> yes. but are you pumped up already on a monday for the finals i wish it was a little sooner yeah. than thursday because we're in the
2: doldrums a little bit right now trying to figure out what's happening like this weekend the pickings were a bit scant yeah when it comes down to sports but when you get to thursday Thursday's going to be a lot of fun. Clay and I differ big time on this. He thinks this thing's a five-game wrap for Golden State and Cleveland's got no chance. I simply don't see it that way. I think it's it's a six-game series that's going to be competitive and hard-fought. I don't think people understand, as they've talked about this undefeated Golden State team, just how easy their path actually was to the NBA Finals. It's not like they went through a murderer's row in the West. I know Draymond Green felt the need to go after Cleveland and the lack of competition in the East, but you get a basically a two-man team in Portland that sometimes is way off and sometimes is way on, especially from perimeter. Then you get Utah with a sort of beaten up Rudy Gobert, then Gordon Hayward who had to deal with the flu at one point. And then... You get San Antonio, and that would have been a fun series right up until Kawhi Leonard and Zaza met in game one, and he was never the same after that. I am positive (laughs) San Antonio wins game one by double figures if Kawhi doesn't get injured, and the reason I say that is because they were up 26. It looked like they were going to go up 30. Uh, Golden State cut it to 12 and you're like, okay, we're about to have a game. And then they bumped it back out to 20 something again, meaning San Antonio. And then fly goes down and that series is over. And now you've got Golden State riding high on the hog thinking that they've got this thing whacked. I just don't think they match up great with Cleveland. I still think they're going to win the series, but it ain't going to be anywhere near as easy as a lot of, I guess, some of the more Golden State Uh, golden-colored glasses, people out there believe. But I'm very excited for this series because I really want NBA basketball to matter again, and it's been a minute since that's been the
1: case. So you're going Warriors in six? You're going Warriors, but just not as easily as Clay is indicating. Yeah. I'm closer to Clay actually. I would never say that Cleveland has no chance. I think that's crazy, but I think that they win, and I think it's relatively easy. I think they win in five games. I think the odds are better they would win in four than six, personally. But – We'll see how it unfolds. I just think that you look at this Golden State team and they've got all the motivation in the world after losing a a 3-1 lead in the finals last year and Draymond Green being suspended for game five. We know all of this, but think about what he's thought about that moment all year long. It's been a full year since he was suspended in game five and that was easily the turning point in, in the entire series. So you think he's had to stew over that for an entire year as the other Warriors have, and you add Kevin Durant to the mix. I think it's going to be very similar to when the Spurs met the heat in the finals in back-to-back seasons, and that was a close, hard-fought seven-game series the year prior when Miami won. It was the Ray Allen shot, and they went into overtime the whole thing. Seven-game series could have gone either way in game seven, very close game. And then the next year, the Spurs, after thinking about it all year, crush them in 5 games. I think that's the type of series we're going to get here, and I hope I'm completely wrong. I hope it's a close 7-game series, could go either way, but I just don't see that happening.
2: I mean, I think the what's different this year than last year? There's two things actually. One, Golden State's got even less inside than they did last year. They're not going to be able to bang down low. They're going to have real trouble in the paint when it gets physical because Golden State might be a good defensive team, but they're certainly not a physical basketball team in many respects. However, if LeBron is put on Steph this time around the way he was last year, because he's the great defender on the Cavs team, instead of firing it out to Harrison Barnes as one of your two perimeter options, now you're firing it out to Kevin Durant. Who exactly is going to be covering Kevin Durant? LeBron's going to have to split time between Steph and Kevin Durant, and then you've still got uh, Clay Thompson, and occasionally you've got Green out there doing what they do that to me is the biggest issue is the extra shooter they didn't have because Harrison Barnes wasn't necessarily dependable last year oh, man, especially at struggled. the end Sick, yeah.
1: game six and seven yeah he
2: he was a liability <sighs> Harry almost B was on the brutal. floor. yeah he, he struggled quite a bit last season And that's not probably going to be the case. And people forget just how terrible a defender Kyrie Irving is. If you go and look at the analytics and actually pull up the numbers on Kyrie Irving, Mm. he's not just a bad defender, Brian. He's one of the five to ten worst defenders, period, Per (laughs) not even like at his position, on the floor, starter (laughs) or bench in the entire NBA. I mean, I could check guys about as much as Kyrie Irving's interested in checking guys. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to go for 40 but it means that he has a liability quotient defensively right up there with Isaiah
1: Thomas in Boston. You know, you hit on this, Jason, in terms of finesse versus physical, and I think that if you really dive into it, I think that the reputation doesn't really meet the reality When it comes to how we think about the Golden State Warriors, we think about them as a very finesse team. And if you really look at the Cavs compared to the Warriors, I think they're much closer in terms of physicality and finesse, if you will, than meets the eye. Because if you think about physical players that Golden State has, you'd start with Draymond Green. Draymond Green is not just a finesse player. He's a physical player. He'll mix it up. He'll kick you in the nether region from time to time. Andre Iguodala is not just a finesse guy. Clay Thompson not just a finesse guy. These guys are are good defenders. They're good defenders. I don't know that I would say Clay Thompson is necessarily
2: physical. And Andre Iguodala, you got to find out how much of Andre Iguodala you're about to get coming back off his you know his ankle or whatever it was, his foot that he was having problems with in the last round. I just you know Kevin Love's not exactly a physical player. Sure,
1: sure. You could go and there are plenty of Tristan guys. Thompson
2: is you right. know, There's guys on the inside. I, I would even say you could put Zaza in the physical camp. Right, obviously for Golden State, that's yeah. why he's out there to be yeah. more of the enforcer. I still think that of the two teams, Cleveland is the more physical, and Golden State still wants to pass it around on the outside and make their Harlem Globetrotters moves and find the open shooter.
1: That's why I think that that's where I think the distinction lies. Because if you go to the Cavs and you think about their physical players, you'd start with LeBron. LeBron Certainly. is a physical player. Tristan Thompson, down yes. low, physical player. You'd also throw a guy like Amon Shumpert. Physical guy. Definitely
2: a physical guy. Yeah. J.R. Smith can be physical from time to time. Yeah. not consistently, but
1: But you got a lot of Kyrie Irving.
2: Yeah, he's not very physical.
1: Darren Williams, Richard Jefferson, Channing Fry. He's
2: maybe not at this point in his career, I would say. But
1: you got a lot of finesse on the Cavs as well. And so I think it comes down to it's a little bit like the Pac twelve college football mentality where you think, Oh, they're just throwing the ball around. They're just kind of playing two hand touch and not really getting after it at all. And a lot of times, that's just not the case. You got like guys like Haloti Nada coming from Oregon who will smack you in the mouth. Been in the league for over a decade. So I just think there's that mentality when it comes to this with the Golden State Warriors because they shoot a bunch of threes. And they throw the ball, or they pass the ball around, and that's what they're known for. They're not known for their defense. They've played great defense this whole run where they've been in finals contention. And I just think that the reputation doesn't meet the reality when it comes to physical versus finesse and how these two teams are thought of. Yeah,
2: in terms of their defense, I mean, Steve Kerr would tell you they're built on defense, that the difference between Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr as a coach in Golden State is Kerr preached defense first. He taught those guys to want that side of the basketball and I think that guys like Draymond and Clay were the two that really led the charge but you do have a lot of pretty talented guys your liability there is Steph Steph's just not a particularly good defender no but that's not why he's out there he's out right. there to go shoot 35 foot rainbows yeah. in your just like grill. Kyrie you know exactly exactly and that's all you need i mean there was the argument being made last week that Boston was better without Isaiah Thomas. They do play better defense without Isaiah Thomas. They do move the ball better without Isaiah Thomas because so much of what Boston did was Isaiah creating more mm-hmm. so than anything else. I think you have that same issue with Steph, and the only thing with Steph is if Steph is challenged to try and play defense, you know, if he pops an ankle, then we've got a, then we've got something really interesting to talk about because I don't think he's, he's been challenged at all. To have to really stretch himself. That's the thing about the Warriors. The Warriors, it's been really, really easy for them. And I don't know that they're quite prepared early for the challenge they're going to get. They're going to win the series in six. I truly believe that. But I think that these first couple of games are going to tell the story. I also think that if Cleveland gets blown out in the first game, Mm. it could be a sweep. Really? Wow. That is a game where they've got to play well off the start. The other problem is... There's such a delay between the end of the conference finals and the start of the (laughs) NBA finals because it's not like the Super Bowl, Brian, where you're sitting in Houston and there's news every day. There's not news coming out right now. The NBA's just sort of out for the next three days and all of a sudden, oh wait, here come the finals again on Thursday night.
1: There's no, remember Dwight Freeney's ankle? Exactly. Oh my gosh. And how that just drug on and on. on. Yeah, you're you're right. We don't have that. Uh, We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. All right, uh, plenty to get to today. We'll stick with the finals. Plenty to, of that to to talk about. Also, NFL stuff. There's some really interesting topics to get into. So, throughout the course of the show, we will delve into that as well. Coming up next from the Geico Studios, it's a benefit, that, but it's not the ultimate benefit. A lot of times it's talked about as if it is. Jason just alluded to it. Uh, in his last comment, there we'll dive into that next. I'm Brian. No, he is Jason Martin. It is Fox Sports Radio. It's Brian Noe and Jason Martin here on Fox Sports Radio. We're coming to you from the Geico Studios. Jason, you just mentioned the downtime between the end of the conference finals to the start of the NBA Finals and the rest and all of that. It just made me think about all of the the talk about rest throughout the regular season and we've heard it through the playoffs I've always thought that it's a benefit but it's talked about like it's the ultimate benefit when you think about LeBron James in particular I've been hearing all this stuff about man well you see the difference in mentality between the Rockets and how James Harden burned out that was so irritating
2: Brian man I've he skewered James Harden on this oh, radio gosh, show after yeah. that because it was one of the worst things I've ever watched. Yeah, it was brutal. And his apologist literally came out and said, that because he had played more minutes than anybody remember towards the end of the year, he took those few games off at the end after the seeds were already determined. But yeah. they had to fight to get him on the bench because yeah, he wanted to yeah. play all of them. It's like, boy, rest must mean something, huh? Uh-huh. Because look at James Harden. James Harden wasn't tired. James Harden was James Harden. Like, that's the same dude I saw in Oklahoma City uh-huh. years ago against the Miami Heat. Just pull a straight-up Houdini act in the finals and give him five, nine, and eight points in three consecutive finals games and shot only 48 times in the entire five-game series. That was not being tired. That was being disengaged yeah. and just like he had already accepted his station in life, which was, I'm headed to this nightclub. Which he ended up going to afterwards. Like he just seemed completely disinterested. He was not beat on that night. He was beat, but he was not beat.
1: Not tired. Yeah, Yeah. I agree with that because that game six where he was a complete no-show, it was (sighs) midway through the second quarter he took his first shot. Yeah, I
2: remember seeing a tweet that said that Kawhi had shot as much as James Harden that night. And of course, Kawhi didn't play so okay. my, i shot as much as james harden did midway through the second quarter yeah. that whole team was disengaged like the coaching like mike D'Antoni went straight mike D'Antoni yet again there was this commercial break midway through that like 13 16 point run that san antonio had that really made you think this was over and ryan anderson's out there shooting brick after brick after brick from deep and they came back and the sideline reporter said that during the timeout, no one spoke to James Harden except for Patrick Beverly. Mike D'Antoni didn't even walk over and say one uh, word I, it's, to James yeah. Harden. It's like, yeah. really? Are you a basketball I know coach? It.
1: That shot on the bench when We're he's just, just kind of yeah, flipping yeah, the yes. race board around. It was so funny after that game because Mike D'Antoni, it was the most tepid approach to maybe we think about resting a little bit more during the rest. It's like, dude, either say it's going to happen or don't say anything. Don't tippy-toe around that. You look like you have no juice whatsoever. He doesn't, though. Yeah, but don't let us know that you have no juice. At least give the illusion that you do or don't tell on yourself. Don't be like, well, maybe this is an indication we should rest, James. It's like, dude, do it or don't, but don't be toe around
2: it. Yeah, I mean, the two teams playing are the two teams most known for rest during the regular season this year. The Spurs obviously have been known for the last three or four. Popovich is kind of the guy that ushered in doing that. Sure. The Cavs on Saturday night on ABC, the Warriors on Saturday night on ABC, those became huge stories, and those are the two teams that are still playing. Is it because of rest? I don't think so. It's because they have the most talent in the NBA, Yeah. and this is a league that has become, and now it's gotten worse because – You have a couple of these super teams, and then they put this new rule in effect with the Max being able to offer the whole deal that Paul George couldn't get and everything else. It's like they wanted to keep these superstars in these smaller markets, but they have shut it down too late. They've let two teams go ahead and become super teams, and now they're going to stop anybody else from doing it, and that really pigeonholes the NBA into just having a few teams that the vast majority of the country are going to be interested in. I know the ratings numbers were up. But a lot of that was being carried by those two clubs.
1: Yeah, I think with um, – you alluded to the path of the Cavs. Yeah. And also the path of the Warriors, the Warriors too. Warriors
2: in particular to me because it was Draymond that came out and said, boy, you're watching one team playing real well in the East against nobody. It's like, right. well, you're not playing anybody either, player. I mean, the only the only answer you had was that you were playing San Antonio and you weren't playing San Antonio. Right. You were playing – the fossils on the floor without Kawhi Leonard, basically.
1: There's no Kawhi Leonard. And Tony Parker for three plus games in a four game sweep. Yeah, <laughs> David Lee went down too. Right. You know, he's he's kind of like the salt. He's a little bit like the seasoning. He's not a main ingredient, but still, when the bodies start mounting up. You need role players, yeah. and they lost some of their role players on top of that. And the series prior, like you talked about, a limited Rudy Gobert, an up-and-coming Jazz team that's just steadily improving. They haven't faced a gauntlet. And you look at the Cavs; they sweep the Pacers. Okay, they get by against a Kyle Lowry list for half the series. God, Toronto that was, Raptors. That was a
2: bad performance and a bad series. Uh, it Toronto. Was brutal. My oh, goodness, gosh. that yeah. was bad. I, I remember saying before the playoffs started. That the one team that I would fear if I was Cleveland was Washington, because of the speed of John Wall at the point guard position, what Bradley could, be, what Bradley Beal could do as a shooter. They were able to avoid Washington by not being the number one seed. That helped them out tremendously. Falling to the number two, and if it did anything, it did prove. That Cleveland didn't just lose the number one seed. They didn't care. Yeah. About the number one seed. Oh, they did
1: yeah, sure. They didn't. They're just coasting through the regular season. And of course the conference finals, Isaiah Thomas goes down. Yeah. So you had two wins without facing Isaiah Thomas. So to me, all of this talk about, well, you see what screwed the Rockets was not resting James Harden and what's gotten the Cavs to this point is resting LeBron, I just think it's movie trailer mode. I think it's we're we're making stuff up to be bigger than it actually is because if you look at the games that these players played, you look at LeBron James he played seventy four games. Yep. Let's just say he plays eight more games. Do you think that? The Cavs would still be in the finals, but you think they would have lost, what, four, five, six games with LeBron playing a few more regular season games? I just don't see it having that type of impact. I think that
2: rest became more of a trend to write about than it actually was as an entity that really mattered. Like, all of a sudden, every writer's going to glom onto something if it's going to help them fill a newspaper or fill a website post or, or do whatever it is that they have to do. And sometimes when you don't have much to say because it's been so predictable, you find a way to explain the obvious with something that's not really even there. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like why are the Cavs and the Warriors in the finals? Well, damn it, they're the best teams in the NBA. Yeah. It's really that simple. Yeah. Your column is 10 words. So instead, you go rest and you bring up all these numbers and all these charts. are like, 538 said this. Yeah. And blah, yeah blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, It's like, no. It's because LeBron James and Kyrie and Kevin Love are on one side, and then the other, and four of the top 10 players probably in the NBA are on the other side. It's like, yeah. that's why those two teams are in the NBA finals. It's really that simple.
1: I know it. And you look at the, the Warriors. I was curious because sometimes. What sticks in your memory, what makes an impression, you you take too far. You explain it too far and dwell on it too much. Steph Curry played 79 games. He started 79 games. Klay Thompson started 78. So, like you referenced, the ABC game against the Spurs, where anybody who was anybody sat and didn't play, that stuck in your memory. And now you get to the here and now, and it's like, well, you see the benefits of rest, and wow, holy cow. It's so overstated, it's not even funny. And I'm not saying it makes no impact. I'm just saying it doesn't make the ultimate impact. Yeah, not not at all. And
2: you know, you mentioned those stats of 78 and 79 out of 82 games yeah. that those guys played. It became a story because of when they decided to take their rest. That's right. If they were taking rest back in January, we wouldn't be talking about it. And if they weren't taking it on Saturday night in front of national television, I think I think Adam Silver should find a way to stop that. I like do That too. doesn't need to happen on Saturdays. You need to make sure that guys that are playing in that ABC primetime game are, are not playing in the middle of a back-to-back or somewhere that they feel they have to take rest because their potential injury risks or whatever concern it is. You need to find a way to schedule those games to where everybody's going to play. Yeah. So you want to take a rest. Make sure that's Wednesday at home against the Sacramento Kings, not on Saturday night when the ratings matter against a contender where people actually want to watch there were two times this year that abc situation i'm standing in the gym on the treadmill waiting to watch something and then guys come on the floor where i have to start googling to see is that
1: that dude from palo alto oh, like man. you don't even remember where the yeah. guy played in college maybe he didn't play in college <laughs> but it's true you want to hide those uh, if it's going to be a situation where it's a back-to-back and it's the both games are on the road and yeah, you just have a- make sure one of those ain't the Saturday night game make it Tuesday Wednesday exactly do some, don't do Friday Saturday don't have your primetime game in the crosshairs of poten- potentially having those stars rest it can't happen hit us up your phone number 877-99 on Fox also on Twitter I'm at the no show noe show Jason is at jmart outkick coming up next from the Geico studios it's a courtesy that shouldn't be extended first though here's what's trending it's Brian no and Jason Martin Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. You know, Jay, I know that you you follow a lot of sports. You're not just into the mainstream sports. There's some off-the-radar sports. You get down with the Indy 500 at all? Nope. Not even a not little. Not a lick, man. Not since I was about 12. Like, I recognize it's important to the I'll landscape. I'll at 12. Man. friend of mine
2: I used to work in WKU, uh, Western Kentucky's sports information office. I saw him tweet this yesterday. He's as big a sports fan as I've ever met. Uh-huh. And he's like, I lived my entire life in Indiana, then I lived in Kentucky, and now I live in Indiana again. But I can't bring myself to care about two sporting events, mm-hmm. the Kentucky Derby in and Indian- in the Indianapolis 500. Wow, Those are for a generation... Yeah. Lost. Like, by the time I was born, I was born in Martinsville, Virginia, and that's where I lived the first 12 years of my life. Martinsville Speedway, NASCAR. Yeah. I'm from the South. NASCAR was kinda where it was. You haven't outgrown that. that yeah. I, I mean, I don't really watch a lot of NASCAR, but I'll see who won the yeah. race. And yeah. I've got a couple of drivers that I care about a lot. Who do you one care of about? them I'm about to retire in Dale Earnhardt Jr., the uh-huh. other one was Tony Stewart, who already right. retired. Yeah. Then you got a couple of names like Clint Boyer and a few other guys that I like to kind of pay attention to where they finish. Pull
1: for Boyer from time to time I
2: like Because it. he went upside down. <laughs> In the night deal, like years ago, and after I watched it, I'm like, all right, I like him almost dying. I'm going to go ahead and follow him from That's now the, on. The criteria you, but yeah, just like I mean, who's watching F1? Like, who's <laughs> watching these open wheeled? I don't know a soul who knows more than like three or four. Yeah. Of them. I know the names, yeah, but like. Growing up with Bobby Ray Hall and Rick Mears oh, and man. all of those guys, like Indy that was, was much so special time, back Reddy's then. And all of that, Al kind of Unser Junior. Yeah, Al, absolutely. Like was, that was totally different. Yeah,
1: it really was. It was a who's who of names, and then you had the IRL cart split. And I just looked at the starting grid, and I'm like, who, who "Where are, these are, these are people? names, yeah. man? Like, you got a few of them, but it wasn't anything like back in the you day." You're talking about a sport on life support. Yeah, that is on life support, and that's the premier event. I do like. The drafting, it's it's easier to pass and all of that stuff, but I'm um, I still love the Indy 500. I'm from South Bend, Indiana, yeah, I so I'd I haven't outgrown that, but uh, it's not like it once was. I used to set the day aside and I'm like, it's the Indy 500. I've gone two or three times in my life, but yesterday I was just out and about, man, and I didn't think twice about it. I'm like, well, you know, I'll catch the highlights. I didn't watch
2: a lap. I didn't, I walked in here and looked and saw who won. That's the only way I knew. Like outside of that. It just was not at all on my radar. Sports just kind of wasn't on my radar all that much this weekend. (laughs) A little bit of baseball. Read a couple stories about the NBA Finals. A couple things about the NFL. I know the French Open's happening. That Uh was a sport I played in high school and lettered in. And that I don't really care about either because there's just not a whole lot of names there either anymore.
1: And, you know, it's funny you mention this because I think the weight could make you want the finals more. Because the talking point is we got to wait all this time and this sucks and it's a buzz kill. I don't think there was a buzz to be killed first and foremost. It's not like the playoffs have been awesome to this well, point they've been terrible. and now you're itching for more. It's just that what you're seeing now without the NBA playoffs, unless the Stanley cup final really does it for you or there's something else. There are a lot of fans that are just waiting for hoops to roll around. And once it does, it could be even better for you because you're like, dude, I got Tuesday baseball here. Good lord! Yeah, I'm when sure it- happy hockey's tonight. I can tell you that. And I just read maybe the just maybe the
2: dumbest headline I've ever read on ESPN.com. Oh, this is this is their article about the Stanley Cup tonight. Yeah, this is the title: "Stopping Crosby Malkin Combo Key for Predators."
1: You don't say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would make sense.
2: It's like, yeah, if the Predators are going to win. Might want to stop the best player in the world and one of the top five. What players would be the, the equivalent?
1: World? Say for the Super Bowl, stopping the Brady Edelman combination. Not even that.
2: Like stopping Brady and Belichick.
1: Key for Falcons. Super Bowl. It's like, are
2: you kidding me? It's like,
1: who got paid to write this article? <laughs> uh, but well, football. There was you mentioned there are a couple of stories that were were interesting to to react to. One is this Michael Vick story. So Michael Vick would like to sign a one-day contract and retire as a member of the Atlanta Falcons. There's a snag in the process, as he told ESPN, quote, well, I haven't talked to anybody about it specifically. It's something, it's something that I've really been thinking about trying to get done. I was asked the question the other day, is what I want? And I said, yeah. So, yeah, I think in due time it's something that can potentially happen. Um, Come on, Danny. Yeah. Come on, bro. <laughs> Danny Why are you going to put a man on sound? Front Street like that? <laughs> I like this one, but well, that, that one sounded, like Danny sounded like it was a human it did. mimicking a dog. I don't think we need dog barking sounds talking yeah. about Michael Vick. Yeah. The man's been through enough. But here's the thing, Jay, is the whole dog fighting thing, he went to prison for 23 months. He left the Falcons in a horrible position Yeah, the two worst things that
2: happened to the falcons this century michael vick and uh, bobby petrino
1: yeah that was the bobby petrino year following the michael vick arrest and all of that and bobby leaves them high and dry (sighs) but i mean really michael vick when he was there for six seasons he did some electrifying things absolutely but I still, I don't think that you extend a courtesy like this. And it's not like a one-day contract is the ultimate honor. And it's like, holy cow, this is just a step below the ring of honor, having your uniform retired. But it's still an honor. And for the backstory to be the way it was, I just don't think you'd do it. I wouldn't do it if I'm the Falcons.
2: I don't know. I could look at it a couple of different ways. Michael Vick's looking for closure, certainly in his career. He wants to go back to the scene of the crime, both literally and figuratively. And try to, it's not about rehabbing his image at this point. It's about coming full circle, about becoming a mature adult. Because the stories when he was in Atlanta were on the field. He was an absolute beast. Off it, he was also an absolute beast of a human being. He struggled. He was arrogant. He came out of Virginia Tech without too many problems. And then they all followed him right into the NFL, even though they were kind of kept under wraps when they were in Blacksburg. Michael Vick went through the criminal process, came out on the other side, became an advocate, and has done and said virtually everything right since that point. And a lot of people are still never going to forgive what he did. And we know this because he was here in Nashville over the last couple of months working with some charity organizations wanting to speak. And I know when he wanted to do radio appearances, there would be petitions and people calling the station saying, do not put him on the air. Oh, wow. Dog, you know, the dog situation is worse than killing humans in a lot of people's eyes. Crazy it's crazy is something, There's something yeah. just animalistic, no pun intended, about a, a person who would go to that. I look at it and I say, Michael Vick can't go back and change what Michael Vick did. Did he win a Super Bowl in Atlanta? No. no. Did he reach a Super Bowl in no. Atlanta? No. That might be why you don't extend the courtesy because... His career there was not so spellbinding that it changed the trajectory of the franchise for the future. But it did sell them a lot of tickets. It filled up the Georgia Dome. It made them, you know, it put the Falcons on the cover of Madden back in two thousand and four because of what Michael Vick did. I can see it both ways. I don't think that it's wrong for Michael Vick to come out and say this is what I would like. No, I don't either. Yeah, that's fine. I think he it's hard to say he's earned the right, but he has earned A second chance in my opinion because what he did was part of a culture that a lot more folks did it that weren't famous that could get away with the kind of stuff that he did he can't go back and bring those dogs back to life the only thing that he can do is what he's done since and when you come out of the criminal process in the manner that he did and behave in the manner that he did when he was in philadelphia and everywhere he was given an opportunity I just like to see redemption stories paid off. So if the Falcons did this,
1: I don't think it would be egregious. If they didn't do it, you couldn't blame them for that either. Right. I, I mean, I just look at it. Yeah, I agree. What he's done since that time has been fantastic. He's said all the right things. He's gone about his business the right way. He's definitely done that. And you think about how insanely popular he was with the Falcons. When Matty Ice was doing his thing and the Falcons were a good team, you'd see number 7 jerseys oh, all yeah. throughout that stadium. Absolutely. So if the Falcons were just like, hey, what's it really going to hurt? Okay, maybe PR nationally, they point a few fingers at us, but locally the fans mostly are going to love it. Maybe they do it more for their fan base. I wouldn't say it would be the worst move of all time, but I just don't think – And I'm for second chances too, but I just don't think that that type of honor with the entire resume of Michael Vick and what that franchise devoted to him contractually and how it went down and the position that they were left in, I just don't think that he deserves that particular honor. Yeah, I don't know that he deserves
2: it either. I think asking for it at this point, I think he's earned the right to ask for it. One one quick story. I used to work at... Around the time that he was arrested and was going through everything he was going through, I happened to be managing a finish line, and we sold apparel as well as athletic shoes, and we sold jerseys. As soon as that happened, all the Vic stuff went like 75% off. Uh That stuff nationwide disappeared in less than 24 hours. Everybody walked in and bought every Vic thing they could find. We had people coming in, how much Michael Vick stuff you got? Buying 10, 11 jerseys at a time. Wow. So for all the people that love dogs and hated everything that Michael Vick did, yeah, they yeah. sure as hell found a way to get into the finish line and buy every piece of Michael Vick merch available in every color imaginable.
1: Yeah. yeah. That well, dude was really popular. He was insanely popular. And when you have people coming after him and the opposite approach, the people who supported him supported him even more, so they're just collectively embracing yep. him. There's a really interesting dynamic, and time has healed a lot of wounds because just a couple of weeks ago – He was announced with that flag football league that's trying to get off the ground. They're trying to launch next year, and they're going to have this game. And Michael Vick was the headliner. It's like, Michael Vick's going to play in this game. And you think about how much time has mended some of those wounds where he was public enemy number one when that whole thing went down at first. And now he's the headline of, hey, he's going to play in this game. So time does change quite a bit. We'll see if it changes it in the Atlanta Falcons' eyes as far as a one-day contract goes. Coming up next from the Geico Studios, It's one of the worst arguments you'll hear when it comes to one of the biggest stories in sports. I'm Brian Noe. He's Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. It's Brian Noe and Jason Martin here on Fox Sports Radio. We're brought to you by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over $3,000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. You see this about Kevin Durant talking about parody? Yeah, but how it's not his job and all of that. it's really not his fault and all of this stuff. Uh, It's something – got to touch on a couple of these these lines from KD. He told USA Today Sports, he goes, quote, like, I'm the reason why Bleep and Orlando couldn't make the playoffs for five, six years in a row. Am I the reason that Brooklyn gave all their picks to Boston? Like, am I the reason that they're not that good – I can't play for every team, so the truth of the matter is I left one team. It's one more team that you probably would have thought would have been a contender. One more team. I couldn't have made the entire East better. I couldn't have made everybody else in the West better. End quote. He joined a 73-win team. He joined a team that was going to be the favorites to win the championship <laughs> without him. Right. Like that's, he- that's the part
2: that's stunning about all of this. It's like if he goes to Washington, he changes their future. If he stays in Oklahoma City, obviously they're the number 1 threat to the Warriors. Probably should have beaten them last year. And you go back and look at how the NBA could have looked if Kevin Durant hadn't stunk up the joint in Game 6. Yeah. And the Thunder actually won that series. If they win that series, I think they have beaten Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I think LeBron would never have gotten a ring in Cleveland, which that would still be the narrative right now. Yeah, and Kevin Durant would still be sitting his butt Man, in Oklahoma City. Can you City. imagine what the NBA One landscape game would changed be like? Everything it would be completely different. We totally would have also different. gotten a great Western Conference. I know it. Run with probably Oklahoma a rematch. City. Oh yeah, abs- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, but Kevin Durant, like he's embracing this villain thing because he knows people see him as the ultimate gold digger. The ultimate ring chaser. I mean, what's different about Kevin Durant than David West? David West has ring chased since Indiana. Indiana to San Antonio, didn't win there, so now I'm going to go to Golden State. and He's probably about to get his ring. What's different about what he did than what Kevin Durant did? Because Kevin Durant wanted to go play with his friends?
1: No, he wanted to go win a championship. The difference is that David West is nowhere even close to a top five player that Kevin Durant is. That is exactly correct. And Kevin Durant, he was on a championship contending team in the Thunder. It's not like he left this team that could barely sniff... Title contention, could barely sniff playoff contention. He left that team to join a 73-win team. So you're talking about, I couldn't have made everybody else in the West better. First off, he could have, because he's that type of player. He's a top-five he guy. Any team he goes to, he's going to make them a lot better. Right. but he made everybody in the West worse made by worse. joining the Golden State and he,
2: he He's talking about how he couldn't have made everybody better. Yes, it was one decision, Kevin. But with that decision, all you did was make sure that the— Top 1% stayed the top 1%. You didn't even give us one more team. In fact, you took a team away. Yeah. yeah. You made the league worse by going to Golden State. There is no other way to look at it than that. Now, you want to go win a championship and be belligerent about it? Go right ahead. But don't expect anybody's going to buy that nonsense. And
1: the whole discussion is just about parity. Just about more of an interesting league. More of like, I got to tune in because I don't know who's going to win. When he went there, it's not like you were on the edge of your seat. Like I got to see if the the Warriors can take down the Jazz. Yeah, the I do Are
2: they going to be able to win more than seventy <laughs> three? That was the only
1: question. It's like they yeah. became the
2: they became the favorites immediately. And you look at that in juxtaposition with what we're seeing in the NHL. Yeah. With the eight seed and the Predators basically making it to the Stanley Cup Finals, like. It's so night and day between what's predictable and what's not. It and really it's made is made hockey so much more entertaining over the last month.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And it's it's all about how you address it. If K D had said, you know what, this whole parody thing, all these people pointing the finger at me, they can just go jump in a river. I yeah, don't Just go kick rocks. Fine, That'd been fine, totally Absolutely. fine. But, but to don't, play don't the. Spout this crap. Wait a minute! Why is everybody pointing the finger at I me? Hate the, what I hate do the I have Warriors. To do with that? Let's
2: talk more about. It. I hate the Golden yep. State Warriors. All of them are a bunch of bitches. I'm gonna go ahead and steal Clay's word. He's <laughs> not here. I want to make sure the bitch quotient gets out on Memorial we Day. We need
1: to talk more Warriors. You just told me we need to talk more Warriors. Are fired up about this. Coming up next from the Geico Studios, it's one of the worst ways to evaluate a current season. Happy Memorial Day to everybody out there. Really appreciation, thanks for everybody who has served. I think this last couple of weeks, Jason, you think about what's going on with Ennis Cantor and yeah. his passport being. And we had him on the air, yeah, on Friday, yeah. And uh, what a crazy story, man! Where he's overseas, his Turkish pass, his Turkish passport was revoked because of his political views. And you think about that in. And today, think about in America, where there are a lot of things that certainly aren't perfect. There are a lot of things that are jacked up. But you compare it to other countries in terms of – you want to talk – you could say whatever you wanted about Donald Trump right here. As long as you weren't cursing, you could say it on this show, and you wouldn't face, like, (laughs) you know, political – You'd face a Twitter backlash. Yeah, that's it. You wouldn't face – a political response. You wouldn't face a government-led response where you're detained and possibly, I don't know, thrown into a ditch somewhere. Let's just say for the sake of what It seems
2: to believe. Yeah, you, believe, you know the death threats and stuff against his family and all these things. That's why when I hear anybody on either side of the aisle when their guy is not in office, talk about we living under a dictator. It's like no, you're no, not. No, he might be yeah. the worst guy in the world to you. Yeah, but there are still freedoms. There's still a constitution. There are still rights that you were afforded as an American citizen. You need to shut up. Yeah. And when you listen to guys like Ennis Cantor, it kind of crystallizes again just how lucky we are
1: to live where we do in this time. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And so <clears throat> to be free, it, it, it there's a price that has to be paid. And there are a lot of men and women that paid the ultimate price. So for that, the ultimate gratitude comes along with that on a day like that you just have to let it be known and we're thinking about everybody we're thinking about everybody that served and their families that were affected uh, as we turn to the nba finals which should roll around when is it july when do uh, they start again when is the, when are the awards being given out in september <laughs> freaking mvp have, award by that the was way,
2: voted on 12 weeks ago to
1: have the to have the mvp award awarded and presented after the playoffs i don't think that they should i disagree with clay on this because i've i've heard the promos with him talking about the postseason needs to be included that would make it fairer for sure but i don't think it's in the best interest of the nba to have a fairer award because you think about the rest and some of these marquee players that that don't play in some of these primetime games there's no sense of urgency to watch the regular season. When you couple that with the balance of powers, you look at the Warriors and Cavs towering above almost everybody else, why would it be in the NBA's best interest to say, hey, here's another reason not to pay attention to the regular season? That's by far the most compelling part of the regular season is the MVP chase.
2: Yeah, I think that's a pretty good point. Um, I just think you got to give it out before the playoffs exactly. start. Because now everybody's yeah. going to assume that it – well, that's – they're not going to assume if they know what they're talking about. There's a right. lot of people that don't know the backstory and don't know when the award was voted on and all those. Yeah, and they're the ones watching these teams. They're going to say, "How in the world are you giving this to Russell Westbrook? Dude hasn't played for a month." I know it. I what, know. What about LeBron? What about Clay? What about Kevin Durant? What about yeah. Steph? What about Kyrie? It's like it's not that simple. It's that's you're doing yourself a disservice as a league, totally, because the award was voted
1: on. Because of games no one remembers now. <laughs> yeah. It's a regular season award and they're giving it out. They're presenting it after the postseason. It's crazy. It's, it's just Looney Dumb. Tunes. And I
2: don't know why you're trying to stay like you don't need to stay relevant after the NBA yeah. finals. You can go ahead and go away. Baseball's obnoxious with that, the way they give out they stagger their awards for like two yeah. weeks. Like you yeah, say, so here's a Cy Young coming next Wednesday. Here's the schedule. It's like Super Bowl week because <laughs> you're gonna find out what awards are being given out. And it's like just give the things out. Like We see what you're trying to do. It's like, we might talk about you for two minutes on the show because of your award tomorrow,
1: but just get all the awards
2: out at once. We'll turn it into a nice hour of radio. It'll be good. You can go to your winter meetings and do whatever the hell it is you need to do.
1: It's not a good look for the NBA to diminish the importance and the prestige of being named regular season MVP, and that's what they're doing. They should do it like they had before, where you— you present it the first round of the playoffs, and the guy holds it up in front of the home crowd, and they go crazy. Great, fantastic. But I think they're trying to do a little bit of an NFL honors type thing where they have the whole event and all of this. So I think the NBA powers that be, they're thinking, all right, we have this award show after the season. It'll be great. How can we have an award show without the most important award? Why would we give that previous and then do so I see how they arrived at a bad conclusion, but they gotta change that going forward. No, that's not a that good thing. That can
2: never happen again. And to the regular season slash including playoffs in the MVP argument. Yeah, it's Brian There's already,
1: there's already a playoff argument. It's called the NBA Finals MVP. Sure, sure. That settles it. That's, that's, that's the most a, that's prestigious two different award. MVP award. That's right. It's Brian No and Jason Martin. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Okay, Kevin Love, he made a statement recently, and uh, I think it's one of the worst ways to evaluate a current season. Listen very carefully to what he says here. Uh, the, the whole underdog thing is, is, is funny to me because, yeah, at the end of the day, we are defending our title when, when we're trying to, to repeat, which is so hard to do. But, um, no, I mean – I think we we will use it as fuel. We we will use it as motivation. But as far as the idea of like playing into it, you know, it's tough for me to say that that is the case. I mean, I don't feel like we're underdogs. I think we're uh, we match up well with them, and I think they say the same about us. To me, this is what I take from it. J Mart is. You hear this all the time from fans: is well until they beat the defending champs. That's the squad to beat. Take that, the man. Yeah. A lot of times, it's just the wrong way to think about it. I would use the NFL last season as an example. The Denver Broncos. Your boys. Thanks for reminding me. Sorry. Sorry about this. (laughs) I'm a Denver Broncos fan. But the Denver Broncos were the defending champions. Okay? They were not the team to beat last season. It was very evident Not too long into the season that they were not the team to beat. So this mentality of, until they take them down, that's the defending champs, that's the team to beat. The same thing with the Cavs. Now, the Cavs are in a much better position than the Broncos were. All apologies. But I still think that the the Warriors, when they were having a 3-1 lead, Draymond gets suspended the whole nine yards. When you add Kevin Durant to the mix, things have changed. So I don't think that it's as simple as saying, well, because the Cavs won it last year, they should be the favorites this year. They shouldn't be the favorites heading in.
2: Yeah. You know, the Ric Flair quote to be the man, you got to beat the man that works in one on one. It works in tennis. It works in boxing. It works in combat sports because you got one guy and one guy and no other factors have changed. The Cleveland Cavaliers that won last year benefited certainly from Draymond's suspension, but also otherworldly play from LeBron and Kyrie. They also had some pieces they no longer have, and then they picked up Bogut to try and help that out, and they lost Bogut within a minute of him going onto the floor. But Golden State is not the Golden State that Cleveland faced last season. They might not be as deep with the role players, but their stars are just extraordinary when you consider adding Durant to the mix. So you can't talk about it because there's different teams. That's like... Well, you got to dethrone Duke every year. Well, no, you don't because you're not playing the same Duke. Yeah, like it's not the same roster. There's a turnover every year. It's like playing against Kentucky. It's like, yeah, Kentucky's going to be good every year. Yeah, but that's not that's not the John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe, 2009 Kentucky team that you're seeing right now. It's like you know, all due respect to to those guys that are there now. That's not the same club. So Cleveland's not the same club. Golden State's not the same club. It's not me versus Brian No in the octagon yeah. and me saying, look, he lost to me last time. He better beat me or it doesn't matter. I'm the defending champ. I can say that as a fact. What Kevin Love is saying almost reeks of we're being disrespected mm-hmm. because everybody there knows that they are not the better basketball team and they really... Fear what might happen to them I'm afraid in the NBA finals
1: yeah I don't have a problem with Kevin Love as a player saying that's messed up why are we underdog it's a very very big athlete
0: thing to say
1: I get that that's totally fine and you take anything as motivation and to be the defending champs and to be the underdog I can see why he would use it as motivation but what I took from it are the comments of fans media typically uh, where it's like, well, they're the defending champs; they're the team to beat. It's, it's not it necessarily the way it goes once, down. Once
2: they won the Larry O'Brien, that season ended.
1: Exactly. That, that was, was then. the end
2: of that book. That was that was yeah. That was Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. <laughs> We're now in a Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. We're on some twenty seventeen stuff now. Those three Deathly Hallows are being carried by Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and
1: probably Draymond Green. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the way it goes down. So. 20, there's so much that can change in any sport from one year to the next. So to just apply everything that you think about here and now, this season, from last year, you could be outdated. You could be completely outdated with your sports opinion, whatever it happens to be. LeBron James, he weighed in also about how these two rosters have, have differed between the two seasons.
3: First of all, I don't get involved in the hype, but I do know both teams are better than last year's team we're a better Cavaliers team and they're a better Warriors
1: team. What does that mean? We don't know yet, but we're both better. We've both added pieces that's helped our, uh, offensive package and defensive package be even more scary, you know? And, uh, obviously you can see that we both playing at a high level and we both, um, when you look back on it at the end of the day, you'll look back and say that was two great teams who competed for championships
3: And, and we did whatever it took to, uh, to get to that point. So, um, I don't know what the outcome is going to be, and obviously we're going to we're going to write about it and talk about
1: it throughout this series and see what happens. But I'm honored, and and I'm happy, and I'm and I'm ex- extremely excited to be part of the finals again. Yeah, both teams got better. The Warriors. One team
2: got incrementally better, yeah. and one got stunningly better. That's right. That's the thing. It's like Darren Williams yeah. is yeah. not Kevin Durant.
1: <laughs> you picked up Darren Williams. You drafted Kay Felder. I mean okay I, I mean, mean they, come brought, on.
2: they brought in some guys to
1: shore them up. Sure, Kyle Cor- Corver would be a decent one to mention. Yeah, Kyle yeah.
2: Corver's been okay. I don't know that he's been quite as good as they thought he was going to be. They lost Bogut. Bogut would have been interesting if he was still playing right now, but Golden State brought in an MVP candidate and a multi-time scoring champion. Yeah. Yeah. Cleveland did not.
1: Not right. <laughs> There's a
2: big difference in well, I don't I don't know what I don't know what to say here, but both teams got better. It's like all right all right you you went from like a 9 to a 9.1 and golden state went from like a 9 to a 7000 Yeah. like that's the difference it
1: is the difference uh, lebron also said when he was talking about the odds and the the uh, the cavaliers being underdogs he said it doesn't matter to me i only play blackjack in vegas what's your casino game of choice do you have one i do like blackjack, you like blackjack. i'm a big holdem guy oh i love
2: holdem i'm a big time holdem yeah. fan not not big into like uh keno and some of that stuff i don't know how to play keno me either i know it's old men staring at a board (laughs) for like seven eight hours i'm sure guys out in la they're talking about how they like men like old man movies like grumpy old men i'm sure they'd like just watching dudes play keno and telling jokes for two hours too but no, I, Hold'em's always been my I love game.
1: playing Hold'em. That's my game. But to go to a casino and play it, everybody thinks they're in the World Series of Poker. Man. Oh, yeah.
2: The the, the gear, oh, the glasses, gosh. like the
1: bottled water. Dude, it's <laughs> so stiff at those tables. It's like we're playing one, two, you know, no limit. We're not playing for thousands of dollars here. There's we're no playing for like 50 on the line. bucks. Phil, help me think
2: Phil you are not about to walk around <sighs> the corner and
1: take a gosh, seat. It's so stuffy in some of those rooms, man. It's crazy. Coming up next from the Geico Studios, hell hath no fury like a running back's scorn. We'll Ooh. talk some ball here. Coming up next, I'm Brian. Though he's Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. It's Brian. No and Jason Martin here on Fox Sports Radio. Hope we'll you're having a fantastic Memorial Day. We're brought to you by Car. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people paid in your area for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over three thousand dollars off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. You've done it, Jason Martin. You have absolutely done it. You have ticked off the Keno fans out there. What do we have here on Twitter? What's going on? Whitey, Whitey tweets me at 621 on
2: Memorial Day. Fired up. I'm in my 20s. Active Outkick listener and big Keno fan. It isn't just for old men. Okay, I apologize. I then went and looked up Keno old man on Google uh-huh. and found three separate stories of 2 plus 50 and 1 plus 70 that won big jackpots on 9 out of 10 numbers on a Kino card. I've just always like seen Kino represented with older people like in film and stuff. I don't really even understand exactly what it is. Yeah. It's like some kind of bingo or like I'm not exactly sure how it even works. It's kind of
1: like quick draw? It was big in New York where they would have the quick draw numbers and you would just guess numbers and if they... They showed up. You would win X amount of money depending like on just how you blind bet it. Guessing, yeah, it like, seems like it. You're just picking random numbers and hope they show up. At least that's what quick draw is. I don't know if it's the same thing as Keno, but but apologies to Whitey. Oh yeah, he takes his Keno seriously. Yeah, I
2: mean, I'm glad that he's a big Keno fan. Mm. Also glad that his avatar is Bill Belichick at the White House. <laughs>
1: that's random. behind
2: behind the president's lectern. Also
1: I love some of the Patriots profile fan. pick choices, man. Because some of these there's. When it's coupled with either the profiled name or the handle and you see the picture, there's some stories. There's some stories there, there's man. Some real dangerous people that shouldn't be allowed out in public. Yeah, that's true. Uh, speaking of stories, how about this one? Former NFL running back Brandon Jacobs. He is on the war path against Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan head coach. So it goes back to when Harbaugh was with the San Francisco 49ers. Brandon Jacobs was a running back there. And some bad blood started. And so where we are right here right now is that um, Brandon Jacobs told CBS Sports Radio that Harbaugh didn't know what he was doing, quote-unquote. Harbaugh, listen to his tweet. He responds, let all the bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. He goes pretty deep there. He goes very philosophical. He's, you know. That's classic Harbaugh. You never know what he's going to do. So Brandon Jacobs, he responds on Twitter and says, I will expose him. Michigan will fire him when I am done. Expose him for what? Exactly. Like, what are we talking about here? He says he's not a big X's and O's guy, but here's the deal. As long as he keeps winning at Michigan, he's not getting fired. Well, he's getting that not going to happen. For, like he's not wearing
2: pleats? Like what, what exactly is it that Jim Harbaugh is doing that you're going to expose him for i mean like what's he doing that other big-time college football coaches and pro football coaches aren't in terms of like i'm trying to think what it is is it putting guys out there that are injured is it not going through concussion protocols is it stuff that i don't know every football coach is probably guilty of right right this doesn't make any sense to me Mm -hmm. brandon jacobs just giving just throwing out random threats about jim harbaugh it's like there's clearly something that went down with those guys in san francisco but i don't think this makes brandon jacobs look very good
1: at all no it's just one of these it's the classic talking trash and saying i'm gonna do this and a lot of times when you fill in the blank with what you're going to do is something that you're not actually capable of doing that's the way it goes when guys are talking trash to other guys this goes back to 2012 the backstory of this whole thing when brandon jacobs was with the 49ers he had a knee injury the first half of the season And so he wasn't able to dress until week seven, but he didn't play until week 12. And so he went on social media and said a few things. He went on Twitter and said, never work in a place where you hate your boss so much. You should always be happy at work. He only played two games, totaled
2: seven yards on five carries that season. But it was Brandon Jacobs in 2012 in San Francisco. It's not like there weren't other backs out there that Jim Harbaugh was leaning on a lot more than Brandon Jacobs coming off a knee injury.
1: So the Niners, they suspended him for the final three games. They didn't release him, and Brandon Jacobs always has thought that it's because they didn't want him to show up in some other team. They played the Giants in that title game that season, so who knows? Maybe the Giants would have wanted to pick him up off the scrap heap and have him in the backfield, whatever. But was Brandon Jacobs Kevin Durant
2: in 2012? No. Am I missing something here? No, no,
1: he was definitely at the end of his career for sure.
2: But... Yeah, like that's that that just reeks of I wanted to play football, he wouldn't let me play football. Uh-huh. So I'm going to say, when did you stop beating your wife? <laughs> that's, that's really, that's, that's like as juvenile as that comes across. I mean, Brandon Jacobs had a pretty good career, but you really look at it overall. He had 571 yards for the Giants in 2011 after four really good years. Uh-huh. And then he had seven yards and then he had one more year with the Giants at 238. Yeah. I mean, he was done and he didn't want to admit he was done. And my guess is. Harbaugh didn't rush to get him back on the field because he wasn't going to contribute all that much. And it was easier to keep him on a different sheet than to have to deal with a malcontent in the locker room.
1: Well, I get all of that. I could see it. If I'm taking from Brandon Jacobs side is if you look at it and you say, okay, granted, I was toward the end of my career, but I had a chance. If you didn't want me, release me. I could have gone to the Giants. I could have played in a championship game. I could have been in the Super Bowl and you didn't afford me that opportunity. So, I can understand how he's going to get fired up about this, whether it's within reason or but not. exposing Jim Harbaugh. But as far as what he's going to do to get Watergate. even with Harbaugh, it's, no. He's not going to be able to expose anything because he said he's not great at X's and I'm O's. I'm pretty sure and things Jim like Harbaugh was never on a bus with Billy Bush. Right, right. Unless there was some type of, you know, Baylor-Art Briles scandal going let's, on. God, let's hope not. Which... There's nothing in that indicates that there's even close to no something like that happening. There, there's nothing that he's going to say that's going to expose Harbaugh when he's winning a bunch of games. I mean, as long as you're winning games and not doing something that's completely inappropriate, you're going to maintain your gig. The only way he's leaving is if he says, I'm taking this other gig.
2: And the other thing is he's talking about how he's going to get fired and everything, and he's going to expose him. It's like now he's overshot himself. Yeah. It's like now if he comes out and says something that might have been sort of interesting a few weeks ago, now it's not exactly. It's like if you yeah. if if Jim Harbaugh didn't kill John F. Kennedy in 1963, right. yeah. this is going to be a letdown, Brandon. It's a good You've point. Sold yeah. yourself,
1: right? So if he comes out and he says, "Hey, one time we were in OTAs and we shouldn't have been hitting and we were," so that's something to consider. Yeah, how, about, how, about, how about that? And the water was Deer Park. They couldn't even get Aquafina.
2: Like that's what he's going to have for you.
1: Yeah, that's right. We weren't even hydrating properly. And, uh, you know, we, the Hawaiian ice thing
2: was only there twice a week. Like it's going to be something like that. Yeah. That's what it always is. Yeah. Rachel Maddow was going to take down the president a couple of months ago and did an hour on TV of nothing yeah. because she ended up not having anything. It's just like, got to watch yourself. It's always better to under, undersell, undersell over-deliver. and overdeliver. There exactly you go. right.
1: There you go. So he's uh over delivering and probably not selling anything. That's uh, that's not the, the best way to go about it. But that's B. Jacobs if you need him. He's uh, I don't he's bent need him. On, on Harbaugh. Man. Quite
2: frankly, don't need him. Haven't needed him since about 2011. And even then, he probably lost a fantasy Super Bowl for me. You know what's the funny thing
1: is, you think about Harbaugh, he's got a lot of Bill Parcells in him. Because there are a lot of ex-players under Bill Parcells that to this day, they'll say, I just flat out don't like the guy. But they will also say I played hard for him. And it's very similar with Jim Harbaugh. There are players that just flat out dislike the guy. And Jim Harbaugh's like a hard dad to yeah, please. Absolutely. He's very demanding, but more times than not, and almost all the time, he will get the best out of you. Um it didn't happen with I mean, Brandon. You know Jacobs, you're from Indiana. Bob
2: Knight's another, That's another prime good example yeah. of even the even the guys he choked or whatever yeah. like that will yeah.
1: still talk about what a great basketball coach he was. Sure. Sure. There's no doubt about that. Uh we'll see what the how the Twitter blasts unfold over the next i don't know few weeks we'll see if brandon jacobs will monitor that Whereas i won't be losing sleep
2: over waiting for brandon jacobs blockbuster revelations i don't think they're sending keith morrison to do a dateline special on whatever it is that jim harbaugh did in his time in san francisco chris hansen's not asking jim harbaugh over for lemonade and cookies
1: i hope it unfolds the way we're saying it i hope it's the lamest thing that comes out and jacobs is like hey by the way just so you guys know this went down and in the, the cafeteria, that we didn't have ham sandwiches, so that was <laughs> this is a cross we had to bear under Harbaugh. It's going to be something terrible. Seriously. Coming up next from the Geico Studios, if you hate the Warriors like yes. Jason Martin does, we have a soundbite that will make you hate them even more. Know, how is that possible? It will happen. First, though, here's what's trending. It's Brian Noah and Jason Martin. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. I didn't know your level of hatred was this severe for the Golden State Warriors. Do you want me to set it up for you? Yeah, how, you how severe
2: is it? The thing that's going to make it worse? Yeah. All right, so there's the argument of LeBron James being fairly unlikable with some of the things he's done off the court Mm -hmm. this year in particular. And I don't necessarily disagree. I still find myself pulling for LeBron pretty much any time Oklahoma City's not involved. I'm not really sure why. I just, I I like that team. I also like a lot of the rest of the pieces on that team. I think Kevin Love's a really good dude. Mm Kind of root for him, kind of the way you rooted for Chris Bosh in Miami. I think he's the most underappreciated player in the league. I I certainly think he's on the short list if he's not number 1. I like Kyrie. I like Kyrie's game. I like the way Tristan Thompson plays. I just, I enjoy watching that team in general. The Warriors, though. Steph goes after Kevin Plank for political reasons with Under Armour mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant says stuff like what we've already talked about on this show today. The gets parody is in his fault. And all a, okay. of those kinds of things. Yep. Draymond Green does a number of different things, including grundle touches, grundle kicks, uh, stepping on guys, causing problems, and then going on the Dre Day podcast and talking about slave master mentalities. And Andre then saying Iguodala. that he never said
1: that, even
2: though, yeah, even though he says, "Oh, his... you took me out of context." There's no context, no, no. Draymond. Dude, it was a, a direct a... statement. It's a
1: direct quote from you. Yeah,
2: it, you didn't quote Zootopia. Yeah, you quoted Draymond Green. And then you look at Andre Iguodala, Uh also made a slave master comment this year. So that's two warriors that made jokes about slave masters, one in reference to James Dolan and the Charles Oakley incident, the other one in relation to Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, who's a pretty likable guy, but decides to wade into the political arena in a whole lot of press conferences ever since Donald Trump got elected in November. Not something I care about. I don't care what he thinks about Donald Trump. So all of this makes them unlikable. Klay Thompson is sort of sneaky unlikable, but I kind of still like him. And Zaza? Sneaky unlikable? How, how
1: do you mean sneaky unlikable?
2: It's just Klay said some dumb stuff about the Lakers. Yeah? You know, the stuff with his father and all these kinds of things over the last few oh, years. Klay yeah, Thompson yeah, is the yeah. dude on the playground that is surrounded by talent that runs his mouth because he's surrounded by talent sometimes. Draymond mm-hmm. Green is the guy that runs his mouth because he knows he's got a ton of guys that have his back. Draymond Green, if he was not on the Golden State Warriors, Brian, just just a random question for you. Okay. If Draymond Green was on 85% of
1: the rest of the league, right? how much would we know about Draymond Green? Draymond Green, I'm glad you asked this because there are so many people. I do a show on Saturday night with Ephraim Salam. Yep, it's a good show. And he says, oh, he, he's the most important asset that the the Warriors have and They'll talk him up like, "Oh, he does this, and he's so versatile, and he does all these things." He fits in with the Warriors very well. Long story short, he wouldn't be as effective as he is with the Warriors because he complements the pieces around him. He benefits from the pieces around him as well. And if he was on, say, let's just say the he was a member of the Charlotte Hornets with Kemba Walker, he would not be the same of
2: guy. Not. No, he would still do the irritating stuff but he'd be more Lance Stevenson than
1: an MVP candidate. I've always said if you flip-flopped Draymond Green with Boogie Cousins, we would view Draymond Green the way we view Boogie Cousins. I think that's I think that's very valid and it's just Draymond can be the fake tough guy because he knows
2: that he's got the bullies behind him in the gang that can fight his battles. Like he can go out there and do the stuff he does on the court, all the theatrics because he knows that he's still never going to be the guy that's getting double teamed. He's always going to be the guy that's open. He's right. the guy that can that can go down and be a little bit dirty when he has to be. He's the guy that can run his mouth for the sake of the other guys on the team. That's right. Because he's got a role around a bunch of other studs. Like you look at an executive hierarchy, the VP can do things if there's a solid COO and a solid CEO and a good accounting department above him. Like totally. He, it's the same exact thing with Draymond Green. If he's in Orlando right now. Oh. He's, a, he's just a punk. That's what everybody would see Draymond Green as. So I can't look at him at Golden State and not see the punk uh-huh. because I can see through the veneer of everything else that's going on in Golden State. So that's a bit of my, of my thoughts. And I will admit, as a Thunder fan, last year sure. and what's happened with Kevin Durant certainly didn't help. But yeah, you can't yeah. argue to me that that's a likable basketball team. They might be fun to watch, but they're not likable.
1: It's just something that's completely unlikable about being the favorites to begin with. Oh, one other thing. Uh huh. If the NBA would outlaw mouthpieces,
2: <laughs> with I Curry might mouthpiece, like the Warriors I gotcha. a little better because I gotcha. Steph Curry. It's and getting the obnoxious now, man. It's if he would <laughs> stop, tough. if he would just stop freaking teething <laughs> on national television. <laughs> I might not despise watching him go to the free throw line. Yeah. When he goes to the free throw line, what he does with his mouthpiece is not safe
1: for work. Yeah. I was just saying that if you start with a 73 win team, best season in the history of the league, and you add a top 5 player, arguably the third, arguably the You've second best the player Yankees in the league
2: at their worst. Oh
1: my gosh, I just If you're a fan of another NBA team, I don't see how you can't look at the Warriors and say, "Oh, just jump in a river already." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, with all that being said, you dislike the Warriors a little bit for all the reasons that you detailed. We've got a we've got some audio here from Steph Curry. Oh, of course we do. Talking about the challenges of the Warriors this season. Check it out. Every night was hard. Every night was challenging. Could just can't just sleepwalk through a season, sleepwalk through the playoffs, and expect to be here. You gotta do something. You gotta just come out every night and prove yourself. Every night was hard, man. It was challenging.
2: Boy, they, they sure looked like they were sleepwalking through the season.
1: We got these four all-stars, man, and we gotta we gotta face the Suns. That's a hard evening. Come on. There's nothing do, to lay up here. Well,
2: I mean, we had to go to Philly. Oh gosh. We had the Nets on our we schedule. Had to play the Knicks. I mean, Christoph Porzingis is a beast. Gosh, God, that that kind of stuff it drives me crazy. I man. know everybody would kill him if he said, "Yeah, the rest of the league's pretty weak and this was easy for us." I know there's no real good answer there, but that just comes across so disingenuous.
1: Well, it's the same thing with we were talking about KD and KD saying, "Hey, whoa, don't point the finger at me in terms of a lack of parity." It's like, dude, you. You joined as You're a top five player. child for lack of team. Yes. So you have a lot to do with the lack of parity. Don't tell us that you don't. So with Steph, don't sell me that everything was so tough and so challenging and oh gosh and all this stuff. When you have the type of roster that you have in comparison to all the other rosters outside of the Cleveland Cavaliers and Spurs, it's a joke. You, you can't sell something that's complete BS and not the truth. Not the case, Yeah, and that's, that's what he was doing.
2: That's, 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 a, that's a gigantic problem. The one piece of adversity they ran into this season was Kevin Durant's injury, and they struggled for a few games outside of that because they had gotten used to him being in the rotation and leading in five offensive categories statistically. They had to figure their way back around because all of a sudden you didn't have the other dude out there and you had to kind of move up one more in the pecking order, and that's what happened, and as soon as they did it, they were fine. And then Kevin Durant yeah. came into a Warriors team that was – already equipped to be higher than they yeah. needed to be, and now they're a better basketball team as a result of it. And the other piece of adversity, is, of course, is Kerr's health. Yes. And and what he's had to go through, and that is legitimately a hardship, and that's difficult, except that they still have four All-Stars in their starting right. lineup. Right, right. Like, that team... I don't know that Steve Kerr had to be out there as long as he was still orchestrating what he orchestrated in practice right. after putting together that defensive system and building a team based on epic ball
1: movement. That makes sense. What you just said is if you were Steph Curry and you said, hey, look, I know our roster is sick. It's a very talented roster. Not to toot our own horns, but it, it just is. Let's call it like it is. But we had some hardships this year that are glossed over because of the talent that we have. Fair. We, totally had, to, we had to
2: galvanize around ourselves and, and relearn how to play without Kevin Durant. Yeah, We had to figure out how to kind of coach ourselves a little bit as Mike Brown kind of got used to the system. If he had said that, yeah, nobody could have possibly right. disagreed with that or poked holes in it. But what he said is just <laughs> so mealy-mouthed out of yeah. the side of his mouth. Can
1: we just hear the first couple of sentences, Danny? I just want to hear the very beginning of it with Steph Curry. Check this out. Every night was hard. Every night was challenging. There you go. Every night was hard.
2: Let's put Sarah McLaughlin underneath it it. to show photos of animals that haven't been picked up out of shelters.
1: Exactly. Come on, Steph. The poor unfortunate Warriors. Every night was a challenge,
2: uphill battle. You mean the every night is your 79 and 15 record? I know. We were were only 48, 42 and 4 against the spread.
1: We, We had the hardship of KD missing around 20 games. And that had an impact on our sixty-seven win
2: season. We we want to apologize for all sounding like Massengill containers every day. Yes,
0: It's stuff like that. Every night was hard. Every night was
1: challenging. Every
2: night was was hard.
1: Every night was challenging. Stop it, goodness! Cry me a river. Cry me a river. Golden State drives me crazy, Jason Martin. You know what? We we became brothers against the Warriors just then. For that soundbite. That soundbite alone. Yes. Coming up next from the Geico Studios, has our interest been fueled by hate? I'm Brian Though He's Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. It's Brian though and Jason Martin here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the Geico Studios. It's one of the great mysteries of the NBA playoffs to me, Jason, is the ratings are up. The playoffs have been horrible so far, yet the ratings are up. And so I think what we were talking about with KD and disliking the Warriors, I think hatred has a lot to do with the ratings being incrementally better. And some of those those games that the series between the Warriors and the Spurs, even with Kawhi being out, that series was a 7% uptick from last season's Eastern Conference Finals for ESPN. So it doesn't sound like it's this galactic shift, but when you don't have Kawhi Leonard... And it's a sweep. And you still draw better ratings. I don't know what it is, man. It seems to speak to the hatred of the whole warrior thing with that's, KD joining that team. I mean, that's absolutely 100% true. A
2: great villain is always going to attract you. Go back to Private Parts, the Howard Stern oh, biopic. great movie. And Howard Stern always talked about and still talks about. And a lot of radio hosts will do this. It's like the guys that love me are going to love me, but the guys that hate me are going to listen twice as much because they want to fuel that hatred. So I don't like the Warriors. I said this on Friday's show. I can't stand the Warriors, but since Thunder out, I'm really glad they're in the finals Uh because now i got somebody to really root against. I've got something to watch. I am watching the best in the world against the best in the world. There's something to be said for that. The question about the ratings is, how were the ratings in some of the other series yeah. where the star power wasn't there?
1: The interesting thing is, well, Game 7, we always know sure. Game 7, but Game 7 between the Celtics and the Wizards was one of the highest rated games. It was that was, great. That, that was that was a series that was pretty entertaining as well. It's Well, Game 6 was with the John Wall game winner, but all five games I mean, they before some, that, they, they were all double-digit games. They were, but you did have star power in
2: those games as well, and again... It's those last few that really mattered because they actually got a series to
1: go deep when almost no yeah. series were going deep. It's a little bit, and follow me on this, it might not make sense initially, but it's a little bit like hating on the Pro Bowl, where all you hear are people saying, the Pro Bowl sucks, it's awful, oh, yet the ratings, it's still, are, still the ratings are pretty easy. good. All you hear with the playoffs this year is, we knew back in November who was going to be in the finals, it was going to be the Cavs and Warriors, yet the ratings were the best over a five-year period for TNT when it was the Wizards and the Celtics in Game 7. So that would indicate that, well, you were still compelled to watch that even though you supposedly knew it was going to be Warriors and Cavs and there was no sense of urgency to watch. I'm not really the the metric
2: here because I, I'm a hoopset and I love the NBA, but there are a lot of recognizable names. In the NBA again, all of a sudden, there was a time there, 2005, when you had the Pistons with Chauncey Billups and those Spurs teams and some of those, where the star power was a little bit lacking. When you got Ben Wallace on the front of video games, mm-hmm. now you got Westbrook, and you've got Harden, and you've got Kawhi Leonard, and you've got LeBron James, and you've still got some aging players that are really good, like Chris Paul, like Dwayne Wade, and guys like that. You've got real star power. you got guys that can sell shoes now. Even in their 30s, they can sell shoes. It's become a superstar kind of league, and that helps dominate. And that is an advantage the NBA is always going to have over something, even like the NFL to some extent, is that their players are more recognizable because we see their faces all the way through what they do. They're Mm -hmm. not covered up by any kind of a helmet. I see every emotion on Tim Duncan's face when he throws up his hands after every foul call. I know what Manu Ginobili— What his nose is going to look like when he makes that Euro step to the basket. Like, we feel like we know them as a more personal connection simply because we can look in their eyes, not behind a visor. Yeah. That kind of thing. Like, there's something familiar about it where NBA stars feel more like celebrities to me. Yeah. than just about any other professional athlete. Well,
1: it's just like anything, and what you're mentioning with you being even more familiar with them. So you're even more familiar with the players that you hate. Oh, absolutely. Or their actions. I don't hate Kevin Durant. I hate that he left his squad and went to the squad that beat him, and that was a 73-win team. I hate the action of that. And I think that goes into why the ratings have been up. It's fueled by hatred to a large extent. And it's one of these things, man— it's funny with fans where we, we've we bonded with our hatred for the Warriors in aspects today, but we should actually thank the Warriors because we're more invested. We're hoops heads, and we'd be watching anyway, no but doubt. we're even more invested. I'd rather have a soundbite with Steph Curry where I roll my eyes and say, it was a challenge every night. Are you kidding me? But what that does, that gets me more invested. I'm more entertained to watch these games when they roll around. I couldn't agree more with that. I'm
2: glad they're involved. I'm glad it's these two teams. Now we can just sit back and watch this
1: thing. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it in July when it rolls around. Coming up next with the Geico Studios, which player has more at stake? Your initial thought, it might be wrong. It's Brian No and Jason Martin here on Fox Sports Radio. hope you're enjoying your Memorial Day. Again, special shout-out to all the men and women that served. Um, It's funny, Jason, because my mom... I don't know if she still has. It's not a bumper sticker. She doesn't get down with bumper stickers, but she had a window sticker for the longest time. I don't know if she still has it or not because she switched vehicles, but it was just an American flag and it just said freedom isn't free. And on a day like today, it's certainly the case. And we talked about it last hour, the situation with Ennis Cantor, where he's essentially a wanted man right now because of his political beliefs, where you have the Turkish government issuing an arrest warrant because... He doesn't see things the way they view them. And we're just talking about in America, there are things that are messed up. There are things that need to be corrected. But when you compare it to other situations in other countries, we got it pretty good, man. And it's a shame to to not see the advantages and only look at the disadvantages.
2: And also you look sometimes at the rights and you don't look at the responsibilities of being an American either. The idea of with great power comes great responsibility. The power of being free. And the idea of that sticker and freedom not being free. Someone is paying for it. Often with their lives, certainly with time spent away from families. One of the things that I make sure to pray for every night when I pray for the sanctity of our, and the safety of our troops overseas, as well as, you know, police and people that are doing things domestically, is for peace of mind for their family. Yeah. Because so often... These guys are overseas, these men and women fighting for us, and their families are at home with no idea whether or not they're alive. Mm -hmm. Like That, to me, I don't think enough gets said about the people left behind and the lives that they live and what goes through their head on a day-to-day basis about the condition of their loved ones. So I think it's important not to forget about the sacrifices made by those people as well.
1: Oh, it's a great point for sure. And it's funny. We're talking about praying. We'll trade prayer notes here. But one of the things I always say is I always thank. I, I have a long laundry list of thanks because I, I hate to get to my list of once. Of, can you hook me up 100%. with this? And how about that? And how yes. about this? But I always say thanks for all my blessings and please help me to take nothing for granted. And I do think that. One of the things that we often take for granted is just simply having freedom, Yeah, I mean,
2: there's going to be barbecues today. People are going to be out by the pool. They're going to be spending time with their families and their friends. There's going to be alcohol flowing and soda and everything else. And the reason that we're able to celebrate, and even if that means going out and buying a new washer and dryer or whatever it is, is because of the ultimate sacrifice that other people are paying to
1: keep what we have intact. Absolutely. So, man— All the gratitude in the world, all the thanks in the world to the people that have paid the ultimate price, who have served, and the families that were in it with them as well. It's a whole collective um, effort, no doubt. Um, As we look at the NBA Finals rolling around here in August, whenever they get started here, it's actually Thursday, but we like to be ridiculous here on the show. You think about from a historical perspective— I was thinking about this because there's a piece on ESPN where they talked about having seven All-Stars collectively and it's the most star-studded finals. And I think in the here and now, sometimes we fail to look at things Wait from a, a historical Wait perspective. a second. The Celtics-Lakers,
2: when you had four Hall of Famers in the starting five for the 85 Celtics, when you had Bird when he was healthy, that was the last good season of Bird's career, like fully healthy season. huh. Yeah, Dennis Johnson. You had, and Dennis Johnson's like a borderline Hall of Famer in most uh-huh. people's eyes, certainly. Obviously, you had the greatest front court in history right. with Bird, McHale, and Parrish. Right. And you had the end of Bill Walton's career. And then with the Lakers, you had Worthy, you had Kareem, you had Magic Johnson. Yeah. You had great role players that did a lot of work for you. You had A.C. Green. I mean, you had, there was a ton of Byron star Scott. power. Scott. There was a ton of star yeah. power at that point. Like, that's... And then even if you want to go to like Bulls and Jazz, uh-huh. like the Bulls and Jazz, you had MJ and Scottie Pippen, and you had John Stockton and would Carl you put Malone. that? Would no, you put that over? Maybe not, but I don't know how these careers are going to end either. Yeah. Like, I don't know how we're going to view these careers compared to the way we look at some of the careers of the past Hall of Famers uh-huh. because I don't know the conditions are different, the amount of coverage is different. I don't know that these guys are bigger stars than those guys were because to see them was more of an attraction because it was harder to learn about them. We didn't have a 24 seven news cycle where we could read every article about the bulls or whatever Mm -hmm. like now you've got websites devoted to nothing but the bulls and you've got people tweeting about every little thing that happens i don't know that that helps or hinders because i've always been a belief in the less is more philosophy that when i had to go further for my knowledge i cared more once i got there and that goes down to like my love of baseball back in the day because I had to stay up till 10 at night to listen to Atlanta Braves games quietly in my room because it was after my bedtime. And that made the reward of hearing Francisco Cabrera's win against the Pittsburgh pirates that much bigger. When Sid Bream crossed the plate, like, Now the access is there. I wake up, I look at the phone, I know everything. So I don't know if I exactly... You talk about not taking things for granted in more of a serious context. Right. In a sports context, it's all right in front of me. So I'm not sure that I even appreciate it as much as
1: maybe I did when it felt larger than life and harder to get to. I think that if you just look at the star power in this series compared to any series in the history of the finals, right? When you bring up the... The heyday of the Celtics, Lakers, and you start off with the big Pistons three, effect, essentially, yeah, a big three of marquee names. We're yeah. talking Magic, Kareem, Bird. That's that's a lot of star power right there. When you start off the list in this series with LeBron, KD, and then whoever Steph you want to go, Kyrie. Steph Curry, you probably say Steph being a unanimous MVP, two-time MVP. That's a pretty big, it really big is. three. From a historical perspective, and I just think there's a tendency to it's like Jordan's career. Jordan was unbelievable, but we've made it it's a fishing trip now, where you caught a it was a largemouth bass and it's turned into a shark. I mean, what about like, the Spurs in the
2: Heat? <laughs> when you had LeBron and Tim Duncan, the oh, greatest yeah. power forward in the history of the league, and Dwayne Wade, certainly one of the best two guards that's ever yeah. played. Oh yeah. Tony Parker in his prime. Yeah, Manu, Manu coming off the bench and he's gonna be a Hall of Famer for what he's meant to the game of basketball, both in the nba and certainly his international contributions james jones didn't even mention chris bosh did yeah i'm not gonna go there udonis haslam like <laughs> not gonna go quite that mike deep. miller was still there and i'm not necessarily saying that's better than this i'm just saying it's not so cut and dry right. that this is
1: the most oh no i wouldn't say that i don't think it's you know by leaps and bounds but that's the category that's the you company the it's in. absolutely you can yeah. make the argument which is pretty impressive right so and i think that there's We just look more favorably toward the past because there's just something about the way you connect with things as a younger kid. The way I connected with music as a younger kid, it just meant more when you're growing up and going through these stages and figuring stuff out. People love the
2: music they loved when they were 16 and in high school because that's when they had experiences with music. Maybe they had their first kiss or they had their first dance or they drank their first beer or you know, the first thing that you get in when you get your license and you never forget that first song that you do. I remember when I got in the car, I thought about what I was going to play forever. And then I had an accident the day that I got my license.
1: Really? No kidding.
2: I ran into my best friend's house. (laughs) I was pulling, I was going to pick him up and I pulled too far (laughs) and I just went straight into the brick. It was at like one mile an hour. But it was not a good start to my driving career. Then I had a more serious accident three weeks later.
1: Okay. Do you remember the I songs that were, were playing mightily. both
2: times? No, I remember Peter Gabriel was one of them. Really? Yeah, I was listening. A little to Little Sledgehammer? No, it was actually that would Steam. be fitting. Actually, it was actually, Steam. Steam. I was listening to Steam, and I, I don't remember the other one. But it's just like you, you. Like the experience you have with music now are different. Like you yeah. know, I went to Eric Church Changes. on Friday, so I'll remember a little bit about that. But all the concerts run together. Like I'll remember what the bride of at my wedding walks down to. Oh yeah, and you know yeah, those kind yeah, sure. of moments are about it. But the music I remember now is. Man, that was great in the episode of Leftovers last night, or that was an awesome pick from Fargo from 1985, or whatever it was. Like
1: that, it's just different. The experiences are different because I'm fully matured now. By the way, on a very quick side note, yes, remember the MTV Top 100 lists or whatever, and they would always have Sledgehammer number two. It yeah. was like unreasonably high. I used to love that beat, though. I never understood why MTV loved that. I bet so you were much. coming back from the next break. With <laughs> Probably it. will, but the point is that. Sometimes we overlook the present just because we—that's true. We we just you glorify we reminisce. Past. Today's a great day for reminiscing. You get together with family and friends. I and, oh, remember the time and this and that. And sometimes these stories over time have gotten way more Bill Walton esque, where it's just hyperbole left and right. It's you've created this thing. But if you look right now, where this series fits in the hierarchy of star power in all the NBA finals, it's on par with anything. And I also thought about this from a historical perspective. You think about LeBron and KD and how each of them have collided and had a huge impact on the legacy of each with LeBron beating the Thunder the first time. KD doesn't have a ring yet. And what could happen this season if the Warriors win and they stand in the way of LeBron's path and the whole Jordan thing and all of that? If you start thinking in the history of the finals, and it's not necessarily ranking anything, but you think about two players that collided a couple of times and what could have been for their legacy if all of those things went their way. Where if you talk about you mentioned the Lakers and Celtics. Imagine if Bird had beaten the Lakers two more times instead of losing to Magic and all of that. He'd be a five-time champion and you know clean resume well, and like all. the
2: Pistons and the Bulls And like if Isaiah had gotten past Michael a couple of more times sure. when they had an opportunity to do so yeah how many more titles would the bad boys have yeah Won in the late 80s and how fast would that era have started yeah and I still go back and I think about the Thunder team that had in that finals in their starting five Russell Westbrook yeah. Kevin Durant James Harden who led the second division yeah uh Serge Ibaka like yeah. I mean that they lost team, in five they lost in five <laughs> it's
1: like wow to the heat yeah goodness gracious I know but man you start thinking about anything Laker related when you think about the Lakers and Pistons and of course that would be another title for Isaiah's Absolutely. resume and think about Magic Magic's a five-time champion and he lost a few finals and if he had gotten over that threshold, he'd be equal with Jordan. Or imagine if he had seven rings and we're talking about who's the greatest of all time and all that stuff. I don't know. It's just, it's something that's interesting to me because to me, LeBron is at the the crossroads of greatness where if he loses this finals, he's three and five collectively. And he has next to no chance of going down as a better or equal player. To Michael Jordan. I don't
2: think that. I think he definitely could go down as equal anyway, based on what he's already done. One of those finals, you can't even consider. Against the Spurs, Because yes, he had sure. no business sure. even being there. That showed how
0: great he was.
1: Three and five compared to Jordan. Again, it's just like the fishing trip, where he, Jordan was unbelievably great, but he's turned into a dude that, like, Presumably hadn't missed a shot ever. You know what I'm saying? And
2: you look at his stats against LeBron's, for example, and they're a lot closer than you think. And Michael Jordan had some really bad playoff games in his own right, and that's before 45. That's before he went to minor league baseball. He struggled, especially early in his career when Chicago couldn't get over the hump before he really became his airness. But, yeah, I think he could go down as equal because – you look at how many finals LeBron James has been, and you look at the competition that he's played against once he's got to the finals. Like, I know Jordan beat Phoenix, and Phoenix was a pretty good team. Yeah. But Kevin Johnson and Dan Marley were the other two guys you talked about on that team, with the exception of Charles. And Charles was absolutely fantastic. Danny Ainge on that squad. Danny Ainge was on Cedric that team well. Cedric Sabalos was Zabalos a rook. Cedric was very, very young on that club. But you look at who he beat up on, and you look at the Lakers teams with Shaq and Kobe and who they beat up on and how good those teams were. You had Reggie Miller and Rick Smits and three other dudes pretty much at that point playing for Indiana. Then against Philadelphia, you had Allen Iverson and four other dudes. Yeah, One of them named Eric Snow that was on the starting lineup for the 76ers. It's like you look at these teams that LeBron has been matched up with. He's been matched up with Popovich. He's been matched up against an, an insanely hot Dirk Nowitzki that nobody's ever
1: even thought of seeing before. Yeah.
2: It's been impressive what he's had to deal with. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I, he went into the tank against J.J. Barea, for crying out loud, in that series. But Barea was a little bit otherworldly in that series. Right, but the thing is, I still think it's at the crossroads, because what does it say for the future if the Warriors handle lebron well, i think lebron relatively sees it coming yeah i
2: think that's explained some of his erratic behavior all year is that he has he knows that the window may have closed on cleveland and what has saved his legacy and what i think keeps him in that michael conversation no matter what happens this year or in the future
1: yeah uh, is that he won in cleveland yeah he did and that was 52 year drought collectively all those professional sports it means a heck of a lot i just think that this is a perception changer if he wins a championship against a team oh, that won be 73 enormous. games, wins now, added KD, huge. He's entering he's incredibly to, close. But, that be entertaining. but yeah, if it goes south and they're handled relatively easily, it could be the last ring that LeBron has, has won. He might just have three in the trophy case when it's all said and done. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. All right, coming up next, Jason. I have something positive to say about the Warriors. I don't know if you're going to think less of me. Headed home. Or if you might actually agree with what I'm going to say here. We'll try it on for size. We'll do that next. I'm Brian No, He's Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. Jason Martin here on Fox Sports Radio. You called it, man. You I saw the it. wheels turn in with Danny G over there. I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. I know yeah. what DG's out there spinning. It's good, man. He listens. I love when the tech producers listen to what we're talking about, you know? Yeah, he's actively involved yeah. in what's happening on the show. It's good. It's Talked good about stuff. Peter
2: Gabriel last segment. Yeah. Here we come back with Sledgehammer, MTV's Eternal, number two. Dude, why? Because why the video is it was so always high? strong. Because it was never that was to- the main was always reason? top 100 list on ESPN. It's why, like,. Dire Straits, money yeah. for nothing was yeah. always really high as well. November rain, uh-huh. which was the video, the Jeremy video. But that's that a great Mark song. Pendleton delivered, yeah, I, I don't disagree there. Uh, if we no videos, not a bad Let's song. take
1: videos away from it. Sledgehammer number two. I don't know about number two. It's Might crazy. Be a little bit high on. It's that. crazy talk. Sledgehammer number two. But you like the beat. I just like. I've always liked that beat. You dig the beat? Yeah. Okay. Hey, man, different strokes. That's all I can say. And that was a I, good show. Oh, it was a fantastic show. I love Mr. that show. Mr.
2: Drummond. What you talking about? Never Worth? forget. Yeah.
1: So um, I've got something positive to say about the Warriors. We have bonded, and I might break down. this. I might sever this bond between us because we don't like some of these comments coming from the Warriors. Steph Curry said, it was a challenge every night. It was difficult every night. And we laughed at him because it wasn't, and that was really bad take. But there's something here. KD said something. Uh. And um, he's facing some criticism for it. But there's, I'll just give you the quote. We'll go shock. from here. That's what he told the Vertical. He said, quote, in terms of winning a championship. I want to experience that, but I'm not going to. it's not going to complete me at all as far as being a person or what life is all about. At the end of the day, it's going to be another basketball milestone that I reach if it happens. We'll see. But if I don't do it, I'm not going to ball up in my room and not come out. I'm going to work on my game. And enjoy myself, end quote. Now, it's been taken as, well, this is probably why Kevin Durant doesn't have a ring yet is because of his drive. And it, I don't take it like that at all. I just take it as Kevin Durant is wired as a guy, and he said this before, where if he makes a game bigger than it is, he screws it up. So I think that he's just trying to downplay the significance of the moment that he well is well aware of. So I don't take this as him being lackadaisical and that's why he's ringless. I just look at it and I say, all right, he's got some perspective. And if things don't work out, yeah, he's going to be all right going forward.
2: Yeah, he's trying to compartmentalize. I don't buy what he's saying, but I think he's trying to tell himself. It's gonna be okay if we don't win this. Like you're still gonna be Kevin Durant. You're still gonna be one of the best players in the world. You're still gonna love your mother, and you're still still gonna get up every day, sell tennis shoes, yeah, go back to the gym, and knock down a bunch of threes, and come back and try to do it again next year. Like that's the kind of thing you have to tell yourself as an athlete, because there's you know some people would say there's a lot of pressure on Kevin Durant because he's the one that left, and if they don't win a championship and he doesn't play well in the finals, how's that gonna look after what he did last year in Oklahoma City? where he pretty much cost them a chance to go to the finals with his Game 6 performance Mm -hmm. after doing so much to almost get them there for such a long period of time. I don't think there's any pressure on Kevin Durant because there's just too much talent around him. He doesn't mm. have to do anywhere near as much as he ever did in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. His numbers are up in in all categories. He's able to play better defense. He's able to go to the rack and go for rebounds. He's still getting to the free throw line a lot. He's getting the ball in his hands more than maybe a lot of people would have thought, including me. It's like there's only the argument after he signed was there's only one basketball in Golden State. And what you've seen from the Warriors is a team that's willing to play unselfish almost to a fault. Like they whoever's hot, they're just going to keep going back to that person and you don't see I thought Clay Thompson would be the odd man out, and he would be the one that might get upset. Haven't really seen that at uh, least to this point. They've they've played pretty smart in that way. But as far as Durant saying what he's saying, yeah, there's there's not really any reason. Like, there's not always some underlying meaning behind everything somebody says. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just surface. The only thing I would take him to task for
1: is I just don't buy it. You but don't buy I, it, I, but you I don't believe, think so. No,
2: I, I yeah. think he absolutely feels
1: that way. For him to – okay, let's take this, where he says, if it doesn't happen, if he doesn't win the championship this year – It's going to suck. It's going to suck, but he says, I'm not going to ball up in my room and not come out, meaning it's not going to just destroy my my life until the next basketball because season Because he knows he'll win it
2: next year. I mean, there's – he's on a team that's going to be right there again. Sure. That's the thing. It's yeah. easier when you have that. Like, if you're a team that doesn't go to the finals very often, I think it's more important to you then because you don't know if you're ever going to get back. You always talk about not taking things for granted in sports, and you hear teams, oh, we'll get back, and we never did. Like, for example, the Orlando Magic, when they had Shaq and Penny Hardaway. Nick Anderson missed those free throws. If he doesn't, I think maybe they beat the Rockets that year, but they lose to the Rockets. The next year, there's trouble between Shaq and Penny. You end up leading to the Orlando Magic not doing what they should have done in contract negotiations and losing Shaq. That's a team people were starting to talk about like it was going to be a dynasty, In the NBA, this was a team that was going to replace the Chicago Bulls. And what happened? They never reached another finals until Dwight Howard, like back in right there at the turn of the decade, around 2009 against that Lakers team. You never know if you're going to get back. But I think if you're the Warriors, you feel like you can. And if you're Kevin Durant, you know you're going to be around another championship.
1: Yeah, that definitely goes into it. I just go back to his OKC days because he's talked openly about this, where he said, Look, man, if I start making the game bigger than it is and start focusing on how big it is, I screw it up. It just doesn't work for me. So that's the way he's got to go about it. That's what makes the most sense for him. That doesn't mean that he's just going through the motions. doesn't mean that he doesn't care about winning a championship because he clearly does. He wouldn't have gone to the Golden State Warriors if he didn't care about winning a championship. I just think that it's one of these deals. I've mentioned this before over the weekend where when Russell Wilson – got to the Super Bowl the first time when they first won the NFC Championship game, he was talking to Terry Bradshaw on the podium. And he was like, you have any advice for me? And Terry Bradshaw said, treat it like any other game. If you make it out to be, this is the biggest game of my life, this is the Super Bowl, he's like, you're going to screw it up. And that was great advice. So I think that, I don't know if Kevin Durant has gotten that advice from somebody else, but he certainly bought in or at least evaluated himself and said, look, man, if I'm like, this is do or die. If I don't bring my A game, they're going to crush me. I'm going to criticize it all. It just doesn't work for him. It hasn't worked in the past, and I think he's just adapted that mentality going forward. Yeah, I mean,
2: How many stories have you heard about the two teams go into the dome for the Super Bowl? One of them walks in. Their head is straight ahead. They walk to the sidelines. They're ready to do business. The other one walks in starts staring around at the dome looks at the giant scoreboard looks at the colors looks at the fireworks displays all of these things and gets caught up in the moment Uh that's somebody it's not that their priorities are wrong it's that they have all of a sudden seen this thing as such a big deal oh yeah it does lead to mistakes because you grip and you tighten up and i do understand what kevin durant kevin durant's telling himself that though yeah i'm just saying i know how big the game is to kevin durant kevin durant what he's saying to me doesn't make sense, except in the context that he's trying to tell himself, "Hey, keep your keep your head straight here. It's yeah. just another basketball series. Except at the end of it, there's going to be a ring. As long as we just stay the course." Yeah,
1: I remember before the Cowboys won their first Super Bowl in the '90s, they showed Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin, and they were mic'd up there on the field before the game started, and they're both trying to calm each other down. <laughs> and I can't remember who said it to the other. It was Michael Irvin. They're like they're looking around, and he goes, "A lot of damn people here, huh?" And Emmett Smith's like, he just looks at him like, "Yeah." And they're just like, "Man, this is a huge moment." But they're just trying to distance themselves from the enormity of that moment. I think that's all KD is doing. I don't think that speaks to a lack of competitiveness or anything like that. Coming up next from the Geico Studios, Tyron Liu, some interesting thoughts on the MVP race. A little bit of a different spin. We'll get into that first. Though here's what's trending.
3: Alright quick French open update Novak Djokovic won his first set with Marcelo Granola 6-3 currently up 5-3 in the second while Rafa Nadal won his first set with Benoit Payout 6-1 We're brought to you by True Car. with True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for new or used visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience Takumi Sato won the 101st Indianapolis 500 becoming the first winner from Japan Helio Casanova's was second Ed Jones finished third NASCAR on Fox TV Sunday night night, Austin Dillon put the iconic number three card back in victory lane as he won in Charlotte, his first career victory. Baseball, Matt Harvey won his second straight as the Mets defeated the Pirates 7-2. The Dodgers beat the Cubs 9-4 to sweep the series. The NL leading Rockies beat the Cardinals 8-4. Colorado has won six of that last eight. While in a game that features 17 pitchers and 553 pitches, Tampa Bay hit back-to-back homers in the 15th to beat Minnesota 8-6. I'm Kane McCoy. It's Brian, though, and Jason Martin.
1: Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. The new Tupac movie look good to you? I'm I'm not feeling the previews, man. I don't know much about the movie. I'm looking forward to screening
2: the uh, TV series that USA is going to do. About him and Biggie. Oh, really? Yeah, like that. I'm that I'm intrigued by because USA has really picked up its quality of drama after being labeled kind of a blue sky station that was known for burn notice and white collar yeah. shows that you really like, but burn ones notice where is there was. I mean, I loved all those shows, yeah. but they all were basically the same construct, and you knew they were going to end positively for your heroes. And then you get something like Mister Robot where everything changes and it's almost all negative. And Uh you get something like Suits that kind of change things around. So I think because of the way that they've now started to do drama, there's a good chance that that Biggie Tupac thing will be entertaining. As for the movie, I don't know. I'm curious. There's been so many attempts to do stuff posthumously after Tupac's death,
1: and there have been so many mixed results. You just do not know. I don't know, man. All I can say is just based on the trailer, I'm not feeling it. I don't know if it's... It's, you know, 30 seconds, so it's hard to put my finger on it, but it just doesn't flow right. I don't know if it's the actor. It's some big shoes to fill trying to portray Tupac. I don't know if it's going to be a Jamie Foxx doing Ray Charles type job where he was off the charts, but maybe it's that. Maybe it's just the way it flows, but I don't know, man. All I can tell you is when I watch the movie trailer, I'm like... I want to see this, but this movie trailer is not allowing me to get excited, and I, mean, I don't think I will. It has to be cast right first. If it doesn't look right, you're not going to care yeah. about anything
2: else that takes place. Like, you mentioned Jamie Foxx. One of the reasons Straight out of Compton was so good is because uh, Hawkins and the guy that was playing um, Ice Cube were so pitch perfect. Yeah, your son. You had Dre and you had Cube dead yeah. on. And yeah. yeah, obviously you had his son and then you had Corey Hawkins who just finished doing 24's redo that played Dre, looked exactly like Dre, yeah. sounded like Dre. Like yep. that sold the entire thing. So if the guy that's playing Pac can't pull
1: Pac off, it's, sorry, it's not going to work. Got nothing. Yeah. And that might be the case. I don't know. So um, to Ron Lou, head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, he weighed in on the MVP discussion. Here's what he had to say. Take a listen.
2: The season that, you know, Westbrook and Harden had this year, you know, along with Kawhi, um, when guys have seasons like that, you know, um, you have to reward those guys. And like I said before, um, LeBron, he's a lot like Shaq to me. You know, he could be MVP every year, you know, but when guys have outstanding years of averaging triple-double and, you know, Harden switching positions, being a point guard after he was a two-guard and leading their team to the third best record in the NBA, like, you have to, you know, celebrate those guys and understand what they've done for their team. So. Um with that being said, that's that's why they're you know, leading guys for the MVP candidate.
1: Listen, he was talking about there were no finals players up for MVP. And we talked about it before. You think about the collection of talent that's involved in the playoffs here, in the NBA finals here. I like Lou's take because there are a lot of coaches that would say, hey, come on, LeBron this and LeBron that, and how can this be and how can that – and he understood. He got it. There were historical seasons from Westbrook and Harden, and he understood overall. And I don't agree with the – LeBron is the best player on the planet, yes. but sometimes the best player on the planet doesn't have the best season on LeBron the planet. LeBron had one of the best
2: seasons of his career. <laughs> he and did. he was absolutely great. His he was great. His shooting was better. He was smarter. And when he went to the rack, he, he looked a little like an older player that was starting to learn to pick his spots when he went down into the paint. He was – He was a lot more effective, but... I think it's a crime he wasn't in the top three. I think he absolutely should have been number three, like unquestionably. But Westbrook's breaking Oscars record. Yeah. And James Harden is doing things with a Houston team that is good, but nowhere near where he was able to take them to. And then Kawhi is the best outside of LeBron, to me, overall player in the league. You look at what he does on all sides of the floor. But what's the NBA really? The NBA is the ultimate hot dog lead. It always has been. It's like it's a it can be an ISO league. It can be Allen Iverson can be your MVP. That's not gonna happen in any other sport Mm -hmm. because you have to rely upon so many other people. LeBron James can be LeBron James and you see that. And that's what we saw with Westbrook Mm -hmm. in Oklahoma City. It's what you saw with James Harden. And the reason the Rockets got further than the Thunder is because when James Harden needed Ryan Anderson or Lou Williams or Eric Gordon to come off the bench and knock down a big shot, they could and Westbrook had nobody else that he could rely upon. But one of those two guys is still the MVP of the league well I mean
1: look of the three of Westbrook Harden Kawhi with LeBron not being in that threesome who who, who do you look at and say LeBron should be replacing this guy that's a tough call because see we're jaded now because we've seen the playoffs and I saw I what James Harden did yeah. I know try to try Westbrook. to not think about the playoffs at all as hard as that is like they don't even compute. They and don't that even is matter such a
2: tough I, question because I don't want like, to take any of the four off.
1: We're in trial and somebody says so they're like strike that and you're a juror and you still heard it, you know? <laughs> it's I, hard
2: to Man, I do not know. Like because you can't take Kawhi off because he is that team now. Like they've got so many older players and guys like Danny Green and Patty yeah. Mills that are so inconsistent. Got the rotting carcass of pal Gasol. You got the end of LaMarcus Aldridge. You got all these teams like Ka- Kawhi Leonard was just stellar, and he's the best defender in the entire NBA. Like, how do you take that guy off? But you're asking me to take my boy Russ off.
1: I know you can't take him. How off. am I supposed
2: to take Russ off? Take I Russ guess off. I would take James Harden off. And how are you supposed to do that after what he did this year?
1: I take Kawhi off because if you go side by side, LeBron and Kawhi, LeBron's numbers in terms of assists and rebounds, that's where he really separated himself. He had I have to go back and look, but he had around five more rebounds per game than than Kawhi Leonard. I, I'd have to double check that to make sure. But when you break those two players down, that to me was the guy. And Kawhi Leonard is fantastic on both ends of the court. There's no doubt about that. But when you're talking about historical seasons from Russ and Harden that to me is the guy that you take off the top three because LeBron, when he has the most rebounds and assists in his career, like this, comparing those other seasons to himself, he can't be outside the top three in the MVP. Race. Oh, I agree. I mean, he's, he's been the best player in the world for, I don't know how
2: long. And the thing about it is he's the best player in the world, not just because he's the most talented, but also because he kills it on the floor every night. Yeah. And he does. He doesn't take nights off. I mean, when he takes nights off, he literally just takes the night
1: off. <laughs> <laughs> he's not even there yet right that's true but um i mean if one's got to go and that's tough to you make a pretty good there. you make
2: a pretty good argument i don't really want to take harden off but the lasting impression of harden is so negative for i me. know it's just impossible for me to separate watching that game six performance um or was it even six whatever it was yep, yeah game six performance that he had when he when they lost to san antonio i can't i just can't look past that like james harden to me you want to talk about somebody's rep taking a hit
1: yeah That game destroyed James Harden's reputation. Just crushed it, no doubt. LeBron, he had about two and a half more rebounds per game. It was assists. I flip-flopped him. He had over five more assists per night than Kawhi Kawhi's Kawhi is a decent passer, but LeBron is the second coming of Magic Johnson. He's been talked about
2: like that since he came out of high school.
1: I think you just get so used to seeing LeBron doing what LeBron does that it doesn't stand out in terms of the MVP race. I still would go with Russell Westbrook. I don't Me think. Too. I think there's a difference between the between being the best player on the planet and having the best regular season on the planet. So I don't agree with Ty Lu there that you could say LeBron just pencil him in, best player. It's that's not what the award is about. It's about the best season, the most valuable season. And I would go elsewhere with that. Um eight seven seven ninety-nine on Fox is your phone number. Also on Twitter at the No Show, N-O-E Show. Jason is at Jmart Outkick. You can reach us there, day or night, in terms of Twitter. Coming up next, before we get on out of here, uh, finals prediction not involving who wins, because we've already given that. We can restate that. And also, um, who's got more at stake? Dive into that before we get on out of here. I'm Brian No. He's Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. It's Brian No and Jason Martin here on Fox Sports Radio. We're coming to you from the Geico Studios. Brought to you by Car. With car you can find out what other people in your area Paid for the same car you're looking for. On average, you could save over 3000 bucks off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. So we already gave our finals predictions. I say Warriors in five. I say six. You go six. Uh, MVP odds are out. And, of course, they fluctuate a little bit. How about this? Steph Curry and Kevin Durant have the same odds right now, nine to five. And LeBron is just next to them. Nine to four. So slightly different. And then it goes on in the pecking order, followed by Draymond, Kyrie. Clay Thompson and Kevin Love are both at forty to one very long shots. And if you want to go crazy, you could go JaVale McGee <laughs> or Zaza Pachulia one thousand to one if you want to just throw money nah, away. Yeah, I'm I'm good on that. <laughs> Who would you go with? If I'm, I gave you I said, Hey, Jay Mart, here's a thousand bucks. Do with it what you please, but you gotta put it all on one guy to win the MVP. Who are you putting that money on? Probably Durant. That's what I would do.
2: Like I just I feel like Durant has the biggest chance to really break out in this series. He's the guy that was their best, I think their best player this year. Uh led them in multiple categories. I think Steph is likely to have a couple games where he won't play as well, but Durant's still gonna get to the rack, he's still gonna get to the line, he's still gonna get his dunks. I don't know that he will win, and I think there's certainly there's a case that can be made for probably five guys, five or six guys that could win the MVP. But if you ask me, put
1: your money on somebody, I'm going to say it's Durant. Yeah, that's what I would do as well. Because as we've stated before, I think the Warriors are going to win this series. I think that they're the more talented team. I think they're the better team. I think they're the hungrier team based on what happened last year. And I, you think about Draymond, maybe that's a decent, you know, outside the box selection. Our guy Robert Guerra, Rob, uh, the executive producer today, he was talking about Draymond and putting his money on Draymond at twenty five to one. He doesn't love the ten to one odds. That'll anymore. be a that'll be a series I will not enjoy if Draymond Green's the MVP at the yeah. end of it. But you think about it, all the motivation he has no for doubt. being the reason there was a turning point last year and getting suspended for game five and all of that stuff. So he got a lot of motivation and maybe he's the guy who has a monster finals. And he's capable. He's capable of doing that. So we'll see maybe a, a long shot. That's about the longest of the long shots I would throw cash on. Kyrie, maybe. But he doesn't play any defense. He's going to have to hit a whole lot of game winners to be the MVP yeah, when LeBron's just, on his squad.
2: Yeah, there, I just don't see any way that he would get voted over LeBron, yeah. even if he scored 10 more points a game than LeBron, because LeBron would be so known for a chase-down block here yeah. or whatever it was to save a game that Kyrie is not going to be responsible for.
1: Let me throw this at you, too, before we get out of here. And happy Memorial Day to everybody. I appreciate you listening. If you've been going here, there, you're en route to a morning barbecue. There aren't enough morning early. barbecues. yet. Yeah.
2: barbecuing at 7:45 Central Time. Maybe
1: you got like a 3 hour, you know, drive to get to the I barbecue. I guess
2: 45 <laughs> Eastern Time if you're trying to set up the grill to be ready by noon. What's the earliest you've barbecued at? I don't know, I'm not really a big barbecue guy. I no? guess I've been No, nah, I don't really eat barbecue. Oh man, love barbecue. I love it so much. I, I have go to, to
1: barbecues, it. but I'll end up eating barbecue <laughs> chips in like a bun. Uh, who do you think has more at stake in the finals? Do you think it's KD, or do you think it's LeBron? We actually debated this last week on the show, or we talked about it.
2: The easy answer would be Kevin Durant, because he's the one that really stuck his neck out and left a team to go somewhere else. But LeBron's the best player in the world. LeBron's the one that's going to take so much more criticism than anybody else if he loses. You think there'd be more criticism for LeBron if he loses than KD if he loses? Absolutely, because he's LeBron James. Because people that don't even know anything about the NBA still know who LeBron James is. It's like pro wrestling. You didn't know what pro wrestling was, but you knew who Hulk Hogan was. You don't know what the NBA is, but you damn sure know who LeBron James is. And if LeBron James fails, Charles Barkley always says this, and I think this is one of the most brilliant points he he makes on a regular basis, is that When he lost the NBA Finals Mm -hmm. with the Suns, nobody said Dan Marley lost the Finals. Nobody said Kevin Johnson, Tom Chambers, and Cedric Sabalos lost the Finals. They said Charles Barkley choked. Yeah, And that's what they'll say about LeBron again, because LeBron is another polarizing figure that happens to be the star. If there's one name on Mount Rushmore in 2017 NBA, it's still LBJ.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Kevin Durant, I can only imagine him joining a 73-win team, Everything that's been said about him, all the criticism, all the negative comments, which I would say are pretty much accurate, it's gonna be a just a free for all if the Warriors don't win a championship. I think the difference is the the difference in who wins it. If LeBron wins it, he's just gonna be rose petals at his feet. If KD does, it's a golf clap. So I that's think there's a more good point. Yeah, I think there's more on the line for LeBron actually when he's trying to chase Jordan. You only need one ring for KD. He needs three more, yep. you know, to Jordan. Enjoy being here, J-Mart. Same. We'll catch you later, man. Enjoy your Memorial Day. Oh,
2: oh, oh, alright.